This episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Monahans Marine. We recently partnered with Monahans and are excited to be working with a local marine business that has been serving the South Shore of Massachusetts since 1961. For decades, the crew at Monahans has been helping generations of boat owners with outboard parts, boat service, marine equipment, and fishing tackle. Their professionalism and passion for being on the water has made them one of the most reputable boating headquarters in the Northeast. Monahans is located on Washington Street in Weymouth, and they are currently a Jones Brothers and Tidewater Boats retailer and have the most well-stocked inventory of Yamaha outboards, parts, and rigging in mass. The entire staff and crew of technicians have decades of experience, and as a recent addition, Monahans has built and rigged out a brand new 4,000 square foot offshore and inshore fishing tackle shop. They are fully stocked with everything needed for offshore canyon fishing, nearshore bluefin tuna fishing, striped bass fishing, and more. We're excited to be able to use this new space as a home base to maintain our own tackle and charter fishing fleet, as well as use it as a spot to film some upcoming podcasts and workshops. As a part of this partnership, Monahans has been generous enough to give all listeners a discount on anything in their store and facility. So when shopping at Monahans, if you use promo code MBG24 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off any purchase in their tackle or marine department. To learn more about Monahans Marine, their location, boat and engine inventory, or parts, visit monahansmarine.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Black Oak LED Lighting. Black Oak LED manufactures high-quality LED lighting, at a reasonable price for the fishing, boating, hunting, and military communities. If you're looking to upgrade the lighting system on your boat, Black Oak LED provides many different options of marine-grade lighting, including cockpit spreader lights, LED light bars, undergunnel lights, and underwater lights. We've had Black Oak LED lighting on both of our boats for several seasons now with zero failure, zero issues. They're an essential tool for us to help ensure safe rides home, to and from our fishing grounds in low light and poor visibility conditions. And their series of marine spreader lights are also a great tool for getting bait fish to school around your boat in the dark. If you're re-rigging your boat or outfitting a new vessel, check out Black Oak LED for your lighting systems. Make sure to use the promo code GIANTBLUEFIN for 20% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Afuera Coffee Company. Afuera Coffee Company was started by and for people who not only love exploring the outdoors, but care deeply about restoring and preserving our environments and habitats so everyone can enjoy them for years to come. To help work towards this, they donate 5% of all sales to charities and organizations currently donating to Cappins for Clean Water. 
Everything done at Afuera has sustainability as the main focus, sourcing beans from certified Rainforest Alliance farms, using compostable coffee bags, mailers, stickers, packaging, and of course, donating a portion of sales, not just profits to protect Mother Nature. It is their dream that through many small decisions, such as choosing and brewing your go-to coffee, that we can all make a substantial difference in the health and cleanliness of our world. Afuera is doing it right and makes a tasty product. If you want to give Afuera Coffee a try, visit afueracoffee.com and use promo code MASSBAYGUIDES for 15% off your first order. We have our first returning guest on this episode of the podcast, Captain Damon Sacco of Castafari Sport Fishing. Since we last had Damon on the show, he traveled to Mexico to fish on No Tuna No Chinga, targeting monster yellowfin tuna, and we also had the entire 2021 fishing season go by up here in the Northeast. Damon is always a pleasure to talk to and collaborate with. We share some suspenseful and hysterical stories in this one, including a story about him and his crew catching a 900-pound-plus blue marlin after losing an engine um, just after arriving to the canyons on a, on a trip several years ago. We talk about his trip to Mexico, the 2021 Castafari season, the tournaments um, that Damon organized and participated in, and he goes into details about tactics for targeting giant bluefin tuna in Cape Cod Bay. Damon is also heading to fish in Columbia soon um, by the time this podcast airs. He'll probably already be back, but he shares logistics for that trip and um, and what he's anticipating uh, on that adventure. We spend a bit of time talking about the upcoming 2022 Castafari Offshore Fishing Seminar, which is on March 5th and 6th. And that event is awesome. It's It's always an educational and exciting event to attend. And uh, and Damon discusses some of the new presentations on tap for this year's event and announces some of the legendary captains and fishermen that will be speaking. We hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Please welcome back to the podcast, Captain Damon Sacco of Castafari Sport Fishing. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast, where we follow three words of wisdom. You can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight. Everyone usually does. Yeah. Well, the last time we did it, I didn't realize that uh, we were rolling. Um, and I was kidding. dropping F bombs like every 10 seconds. F bombs are encouraged. He's like, You got a potty mouth. Like, what do you mean? I didn't swear once. And then I realized you guys are rolling like right out of the gate. Yeah. That's how we get some of the best stuff, though. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. So, boys, All right. it's, it's been a year. Time. It's been uh, almost a year. February, uh, excuse me, two years. Febru- what? February 2020, right before COVID got nuts. Is you know, what, you know what? Is I was just it. about to go to Mexico. Yep. It was two years ago. Two years. And it's funny. I'm taking, I'm getting the F out of here in, in two days again. It's funny. I always do a podcast with you right before I'm about to get <laughs> the fuck out of New England. It's a great, it's a great story to tell pre-departure. Yeah. I know. So how was your trip 
two years ago. The, the trip two years ago was awesome. We went to uh, Puerto Vallarta and we fished on a uh, on a boat called No Tuna No Chinga, Mexican operation. And that should be like a radio thing, right? <laughs> what, I mean, what, what better? Like name? on a slow day, no tuna, no chinga. No tuna, no chinga. <laughs> and I'll, let me tell you, these guys, it's a serious operation. It's the Osuna brothers. They're like rock stars over there in, in Puerto Vallarta. You know, like everybody knows them. Um, and uh, we went out. It's like a 62 Delta, all refit. You know, it, it, it holds eight people. We, we just had four of us. And, uh, man, we, we caught, I don't know, four or five cows that were like 250 plus. I think two fish were over 300, like just big yellow fins, wow. like ass kicking yellow fins. Yeah. Like, like fish, you know, they were, it was like giant fish and kites, uh, Sick. you know, and just kite bites and, and, and two hour battles on stand up. Except over there, they, they fished the rail, which I, I wasn't really used to. In fact, I'd, I'd never done it. I, you know, never fucking heard of it actually rail rod fishing basically you have no harness and you tuck the rod in your armpit and you just leverage it on the rail like a seesaw and you huh. just counteract the pull of the fish by by using your own weight but you just you, you just yeah you know, bruises like up and down the side of your like chest and arm yeah. because the rod literally is just sitting in there for two hours oh. And uh, it's, it's so awesome. I've, I've seen it. I've It's a fucking blast once you get the hang of it. But like the first fish is just brutal because you want to keep like holding the rod just because, you know, it's just hard to like leverage the reel, keep the reel from turning. Yeah. But once you get it down, like the, the guys who are good at it are just like, you know, they, they pull fish to the boat in like 30 minutes, like real ones, like real Wild. big fish. How much are you moving around the gunnel? Constantly. You're, you're lapping the boat like three times, bumping into people. Sometimes there's a double. And so you got one guy on the pulpit, like with a fish in a circle, finally. So he's not moving. He's just staying up there. Mm -hmm. But then you got to be like, sorry, man. And like spin your fucking <laughs> fish underneath his fish. I mean, it's, it's, that's cool. It's wow. crazy. But they were, they were just massive fucking fish. I mean, I couldn't believe like some of the surface feeds. It was like, you know, you'd see on Stellwagen. That's awesome. Just big, big tuna. Yeah. Starting to get a good class of yellowfin in the canyons, too, the last yeah. couple of years. We sure did. This year was the first time in a long time that I've seen fish like that, you know, that had some sickles on them and some actual size to them, yep. you know? I've never, I've never seen it until the last couple of years. Honestly. I don't think we've been alive that long. No. <laughs> I remember I remember Frank Pitton telling me stories of you guys. Frank Pitton, he knows. When that cl size class was like those 80 plus pounders. And then we got a little glimpse of it during that fishtails bite a handful of years We got some good back. ones in that tournament. Yeah. I got like a 95 pound fish. Oh, the OBBC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's two, right. Two or three years ago. I remember that. The big jumbo yellowfin. Yep. Yep. That was the year that like five thousand big eye came in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the buyers were like, Christian, nope. and I, "Christian and I will weigh in fish to like two a.m." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's it's good awesome. to see though. I mean, and then the big eye population's good too. Yeah. yeah, it's sick. I only got out there one time last year. Everyone's you didn't get out there at all last year. No, I'm okay with it though. I'm just like I like catching bluefins fifteen <laughs> miles from home. You like being home in your own bed. I do. Tonight, that's what know? that's what Sandro says. I, we, 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 we my my. Well, you know Billy. Yeah, I, Riley. They, they went. They were hanging out with him one night. Riley's and they're like shaking the table. They're hey, like, Riley, stop. Hey, stop, buddy. They were like, Sandro, you gotta come out with us anytime. Damon said, open invite. Sandro's like, I have no interest just going out a hundred <laughs> miles and staying out and getting my ass kicked for two days. Uh, does take something it's a, else. It's a long way. It's a long way from home. It yeah. is. especially when you're on that boat. I know. It's like being in a fucking castle out there. Yeah. That. 
that Calvin Beal that they have. It's awesome. All right, Brett, rapid fire. All right, we've changed up the format slightly. Since last time. Since last time. Since two years ago. Since two years Mm, ago. I don't even remember two years ago. I know, we don't either, but (laughs) we start off with some completely random, unrelated questions, some fishing-related, some non-fishing-related. First answer that comes to your head, shout it out. And if we go on a tangent, no big deal. It's encouraged. Don't mention my parole officer. We won't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see here. If money was not an object, what would you build for a sport fish boat? This is like when the mad scientist comes out. Uh, it would have to be a Bayless. I mean, and the thing is, I, I, I toss and turn between going to a, because I have a, you know, express boat, obviously. Um, and I've always had an express boat. And I love being down in the cockpit and just being in the in the action instead of being like away from everybody. However, the visibility sucks. Um, you know, it's so much better to be up high. And so it's like I think I'd go with a bridge boat, big ass cabin pimped out with you know the flat screens yeah. and, and the and the imported you know wood from Africa, and <laughs> ostrich skin walls. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, it would have to be a Bayless because I, I remember like fishing down in, in Cabo, I don't know, years ago and, and, and one went whizzing by us and I was like, yeah, I need one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You saw our first one in Los Sueños, I think. Tar Heel. John Bayless's yeah, boat. That's a famous and there's, boat. There's yeah. several other ones there, obviously, as well. But those things are unbelievable. Really unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of them are. All the big battle wagons are great. I mean, even the Vikings are putting, you know, building a great boat. The problem is you can't get one right now. You, yeah. you want a Viking, you're in line for three years. Yeah. Can't get anything. Yeah, you can really can't get anything. What about size of hull? I mean, you fished on a lot of it. Come on, Rye. Uh, Riley, Riley's bumping the cameras. Yeah. Riley wants in on the action. He's going to whine He's going to chew a hole through that one. <laughs> now we're going to get whiny, Rye. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, um, Size-wise, I, I mean, is that the question? Size-wise. Size. 60, probably a, a, a 60. I mean, a, a, you know, I have a 45 now. Definitely would like to go bigger. There's nights when we're sitting out there in, in, in a northeast breeze, 20-knot northeast, and it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a, a 60 yeah. plus. It's funny, like, everyone we've asked that question, Feruli, a couple other people, that 60-foot range seems to be the sweet yeah. spot. I think once you get over that, they're just hard to maneuver. Mm. Exactly. You know? And then you need, like, 10 thrusters and, and 10 people. And See, the thing I like about my boat is um, I can take it out by myself. I went out, so I did a solo mission, and I, I, haven't, I don't do this much. In fact, I only went giant fishing on it once solo, and that was this fall, and it's because Rob West blew me off. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was like, fuck it, I'm going. Because the bite was there. It was in the bay. It was like that September, you know, early September bite. And I went out there and Anders was there. And like I, you know, traded him some bait. He had some nice squid and I gave him some pogies. And uh, and sure enough, I put three rods out. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, why am I fish, f- fishing three rods? Fish one rod, you know, because guarantee like, I'm, they'll, you know, the long rods or the short rods going to go off and I'm going to have to pull in the – anyways, long story short, I do a couple drifts and then I – I'm like, fuck it, I'll do one more drift and then get out. And so I I was reeling and everything. I took the I took the short bait out, I took the middle rod out. And as I was just about to take the long rod out, it goes off. So I got really lucky. 
And I fought this fish for three and a half hours. And the fucking thing went around like six lobster pots. I mean, it was a <laughs> nightmare. Yourself. Nightmare. By myself with the gaff. I, at one point, I had the boat in reverse. And I was just doing this like, you know, involuntary <laughs> donut backwards. <laughs> and the fucking fish was going the other way. Like the, the complete opposite direction. And there were like people around me that were probably like, what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> like, where's his mate? What is he doing? Should we call the Coast Guard? Anyways, I I, I had the friggin' thing in a circle. And I... And I and, and I was like, I'm I'm actually going to catch this fish, and it was a it was a slot. It was a nice, really nice fish. I saw it on the surface a couple of times, and I fucking pulled the hook. It was a Charlie Brown hook too, and oh, I was like, no. you got to be oh, shitting no. me. And I think I reached out to you, you Taylor, right after that happened, yeah. and I was like, what do you think of these Charlie Brown hooks? Because I was so mad, you know, because I I love them. I think they're great hooks, but I was like, how the fuck did that hook pull after like three and a half hours? But whatever, Wearing should happen. Hole, baby. The involuntary yep. donut pride, and <laughs> that didn't help. And you know what? When I put the when they put the reel and free spool like six times, that to, probably didn't to help cut either. The lobster traps that didn't help either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I literally had to do that. But anyways, that's amazing. Um, but I, the, my point is, I, I do. I, you know, you don't want to go too big because then you need a you know a whole entourage of people, and it's mm-hmm. like it's nice to be able to. So I mean, even sixty would be overkill for me. Um, even like fifty five. You yeah, know, just that extra 60. ten feet. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'd love to do some cruising when I get older, and and my kids are you know out of the house. That's the plan. Yeah. So I don't know. I, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could sell my boat now, but then I'd be like boatless for five years. Yeah. Then what do you do? Right. There's nothing out there. Exactly. And then you're gonna pay you know an arm and cra- a leg, crazy money. Yeah. 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 Those boats are sweet. Those bayless boats are sweet. Um, fishing a tournament. Or running a tournament, which do you prefer? Oh, I definitely say fishing a tournament. I, I enjoy running a tournament, um, but I get super jealous when the bite's on fire, which it always is <laughs> in my tournament. <laughs> yeah, it it is. is. It's always good. It's a good time of year, and and it's just and it and the bite seems to die in August. Yeah. So like it, right after your tournament, the next week. It just it yep it it usually drops out and I feel sorry for Kyle at the tri state because he's like where the fuck did all those fish go you know yeah like, yeah but uh, I I mean I enjoy it I love running events um, you know I'd love to bring Tuna Fest back that was a fun you, you guys um, were part of that one one or two years and you know it's a good party atmosphere and it, it's a great place for people to kind of connect and re you know reunite but. Um, yeah, no, I love fishing tournaments. I love the energy and the excitement and the competition and just, you know, I think that supersedes probably running an event. Mm. Yeah. If I had to answer correctly. So less, more or less stress or different stress. Total different stress. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely not less stress because tournament fishing, I find I'm, I'm on edge. Everybody is. The whole crew is because especially when you have a fish that you know is a money fish, right? And you got it boat side and, and, you know, like Anders whiffs on the harpoon or something, you know? <laughs> Not that that ever happened. Sorry, Anders. That, that never happened. Um, but <laughs> Sounds like that's a personal story. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like we need to revisit that. <laughs> no, um, actually, no, he's great. We, we actually, we've caught, we've, we've caught a lot of fish together and, 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 and won some stuff. And, but, um, yeah, no, it's it's just you know it's everything everything's on eggshells though when you're tournament fishing. You guys know it's just it's just a new level of energy. Yeah, you know. Um, 
but it's fun. That's what, that's what I love. I love that excitement. I love that, you know, that feeling when you're leaving the dock, like, all right, where am I going? It's like, you know, it, everything feels like stress, you know, like m- almost military, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's just, you know, that you gotta be, you gotta be that intense. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, to, to really, you know, put your, put your, you, you and your crew to the maximum potential. Um, you gotta be, you gotta have that intense energy and think outside the box. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's one of the, you know, you get in such a rhythm with charters and prepping for charters that tournaments for me anyway, bring you to that whole nother level of mm-hmm. awareness, thinking outside the box, challenging yourself more. Challenging yourself and also just, you know, trying new things. And I use my charters as like guinea pigs to try different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times we, you know, they fail miser- miserably, but I'd rather do it then than do it in a tournament, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no tournament. It's great to see the tournament still doing well. We fished the Mid Atlantic last uh, last summer for the first time, and um, I'll tell you what an event that thing is. I mean, that's a serious. That's like the varsity of tournaments, you know, yeah. Compared to mine, I'm, I'm in the JV level. I mean, that's that, you know they have hundreds of boats, um, and it's very well done. But I like their format. Um, the only thing that's tough about that tournament is you've got to come back each day. So you got to. It's like an Ironman competition. You 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 got to be out. You know, at the crack of dawn, and then you're going to be back uh, end of the day to weigh in. Wow! You know, to the canyons, you need speed. You need the speed, and you need the boats. You need like you know, there was a day we had some rough weather, and and I I beat the shit out of my boat. You know, just bashing into like a northeast swell, yeah, just to get to. And I we ran a hundred and twenty three miles to the Hudson because there was a big eye bite, and and there were already like two big blue marlin caught. So I was like, we're fucked. You know, <laughs> and, and that was our plan was like, we're not even going to white marlin fish and go head to head with those guys. We're going to blue marlin fish because, you know, blue marlin fishing for us is, is a little easier. And, and you know, we, we, we catch a few. And but out of the gate, it was like a 700 and like a 900 something. Yeah. I was like, you know, all right, we're going tuna fishing. Yeah. And then we ran like 123 miles with like there were a couple other boats that were all northeast guys. It was it was like the Blasio and and uh, and Dean and, and 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 you know we all got blanked, <laughs> and it was a long ride back to the to the dock. Some huge good strategy though. It was a good strategy because there were fish there. You know, right. Mark Mark had seen them the day before. They just were real finicky. They were there, but they just they just wouldn't come up. You know, you guys know the drill of fucking fish. <laughs> That's the way it rolls. <laughs> They'll test the patience of the Dalai Lama. <laughs> um. This episode is sponsored by Costa Del Mar. If you didn't know already, Costa makes some of the best fishing sunglasses on the market. They have a ton of frame options and offer a wide variety of lens colors. And their 580 color enhancing polarized lens technology is tried and true. We are big fans of their blue mirror lenses for our offshore fishing charters and their green mirror lenses for inshore. They've stepped up their game big time and they offer a great new line of performance fishing apparel. We've been wearing a lot of it the past few seasons on charters. We found that all of it's well-designed, comfortable, durable, quick-drying. It can handle a beating. To check out Costa's great selection of sunglasses, apparel, and wide variety of other products, visit costadelmar.com. Taking weather conditions, sea surface temperature, all those other factors out of the picture. What is your favorite canyon to fish? 
Hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm most at home. I have this like familiarity with like Veach for some reason, probably because I've fished there a shitload. You know, Veach is that canyon that's, it's a little on the outskirts of town, but it's still very doable. It's, 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 you know, it's in range. It's not like an extra, it's not like going to hydro where it's like an extra hour of your running time, you know? Mm. Um, so I'd have to, yeah, I'd say Veach and we've caught a lot of really great fish there, you know, that we've just had a lot of cool experiences there. What is it? Is it anything specific structure wise that you like about it or is it just straight up proximity? I think it's uh, experience. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like we've had some success stories there mm-hmm. and uh, the structure is good though. There, there's um, there's a lot of defined edges on the walls and then there's some sea mounts too that are just, you know, off, you know, out in the throat of the canyon that are really good sword fishing spots. Um you know, Tommy would kill me if I say too many more right. things about you those. Can, you can contain your secrets. I feel like Beach has <laughs> options too. Like you got options. Like if you get there and nothing crazy is going on. Yeah. Like yeah. you're so close. You got that wall to the west that's just almost always has fish on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That west wall is fishy. There's always yellowfin there for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, there's always big marlin out there. There's usually big eye in the deep. Um, it's rare that Beach isn't holding fish. The problem is it gets crowded. Yeah. yeah. You know, like last uh, last summer we were out there and uh, I was with Anders and we, we caught a really big blue. And, uh, but, but there were, those big yellowfin were there. And, uh, but there must have been like, I don't know, 50 boats. It was like, it was like, a, it, was, it was like the bank. Yeah. They were that, and then I was like, where the fuck are they coming from? Like, then they were from all over the place. There were guys from New Jersey, but the word got out. Everybody was chasing those big yellowfin. And, so, and some of the fish, we lost one that was, it was a buck 50. You know, we caught one that was maybe 130, but then there was, we lost a really big, it looked like a big eye with sickles. It was unreal. That's I was so depressed because that was the first one. <laughs> and I was like, I've been looking for that fish for years, you know. And then we ended up finally catching one that was decent. But Wow. Yeah. Ask your, bl- like, your big blue marlin question. That's perfect. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that's the picture. He probably just could. That was the fish. Probably. Yeah, that I posted. Yeah. 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 That's what, uh, I mean, we just saw that on, I think it was Facebook you posted it. But what is your um, biggest blue in the canyons and maybe a little bit of the story behind it. Um, that is definitely going to be the fish that uh, I caught with Nick back in, I want to say it was like 2007. Might have even been 2006. It was with Nick and Blake Murphy were my mates. And we were out at, um, I had just blown a motor. Actually, this was the season from hell. If you want the real story, <laughs> yeah, you want the real story. This is this is the season from hell. I, I so I did a fourth. I was married at the time. I I did a Fourth of July trip to Nantucket with my family, and uh, you know my kids were really little at the time. And I and I um, anyways, I get back to Falmouth, and I and I felt this vibration, and I was like, ah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so I sent you know my wife home with the kids, and I went to McDougal's to kind of get checked out to see because I knew like and and. Uh, so I, I called McDougal's and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll haul you out and, and take a look at your running gear. You know, maybe you got a bench shaft or whatever. So as I was hauling out, I spun a prop. I dropped the wheel like right in the mud of Falmouth Harbor. Like I literally was pulling to the travel lift and it was like, Whoa! and I was like, what the fuck? You know, the RPM's flying. And then all of a sudden I had no like starboard side. 
So now the boat's drifting into pilings and like people are <laughs> yelling at me like, put the boat in. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so so we like we you know finally like you know 20 people come running over and they like pull me into the slings and um and they haul the boat and and the wheel's gone i'm like you gotta be shitting me it, it like literally like just spun right up the wow. shaft like broken half so there was a hairline crack and what had happened was i had stored the boat in north carolina that winter and uh the guy who it, it i'm not even gonna say the marina the guy who put the props back on didn't put the keys in correctly. He put them in like halfway. Mm-hmm. So the, they put a lot of stress on my shafts and there were all these hairline cracks on the shafts that, you know, you couldn't see, you know, uh, looking at it, you couldn't see it. But when you put like the light on it, they, they were every, you know, they, they looked at it and they're like, both shafts are screwed and you got to get a new prop or we can hire a diver to go in. Well, Falmouth Harbor, the visibility is like, you know, black bean soup, basically. So I, I hired a diver to go down there and he, he got the wheel. It was already like in the mud. Um, so I had two new shafts, huge insurance claim, you know, big deductible, out of, out of commission for like two weeks. So I had that address that was right in July, like right in the middle of an op- awesome bite to the canyons were on fire. <laughs> You know, of course they were. Like I was yeah. getting, I was getting texts from like everybody. You know, like why aren't you out there? It's like uh, long story. <laughs> so they got they got the bow fixed. I went back in, and I was on my way out to, uh, and I had Blake and I think Nick on the boat. It was literally the next trip. Like all right, I'm back. You know, late July, we go out. Boom! I'm like, what the fuck's that noise? <laughs> This is on down. the way out. On the way. Oh we my just God. got we just got to Atlantis. We were just pulling them back. I literally was on the tower looking for high flyers because I was like my one of my charters was like, we want to catch some Mahi. So I I, I slow down and I see uh a high flyer. So I slow down and all of a sudden the, I lose the starboard engine. And uh lo and behold, hydrolocked. Blown engine. So now I'm like, you got to be shitting me. Like, like I just came off this like monstrosity of an issue with a, with running gear. And now I'm, now I have a blown engine and I'm at Atlantis Canyon. And we were like right on the numbers where like it, people, you, I, you could see the green stick guys work and they were doing circles. Like there were fish there. And like, it was that feeling of excitement you get where, you know, like you see slicks and you know, like, all right, we're in the zone. And you yell down at everybody like, here we go. And it's like, I had that excitement for like five seconds. And then it was like, do, 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 do. So now we go down and like Nick's down in the engine room with me. And, and, he, and you know, I'm trying to bar the engine by hand with a with a big socket. And, you know, he's like, it's hydrolocked. I'm like, yeah, I know. Fuck. So, so now we're like, all right. I'm like, I'm on one. What do I do? So... The, 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 the people that are like, you know, with us were like, well, can we like, I'm like, guys, you know, we got to go in. It's going to be like a 13-hour ride. And there was weather coming like the following day in the afternoon. We were going to try to beat it, you know, fish and then screw out of there. So I'm like, we're going to have to turn around. And, and, and you know, I felt awful for the charter because they were just like. This episode is brought to you by Rodan Marine Systems. Technology in the marine industry seems to be improving at an exponential rate from year to year. And Rodan Marine is at the forefront of the GPS anchor and trolling motor industry. We've been running a Rodan GPS anchor on our 30-foot center console for a few seasons now, and it's been a game changer. With quick deployment and the simple push of a button, you can anchor down on a spot and stay within a few feet of your target location 
without having to deal with a traditional anchor, 20 plus feet of heavy chain, 400 feet of anchor line, obviously depending on how your setup is, but it's just very, very convenient and accurate. The fishing applications for using a Rodan are really endless. We find it extremely useful for both our inshore striped bass fishing as well as our offshore tuna fishing. And the customer service and support at Rodan is amazing. They offer overnight shipping on parts and are available to troubleshoot any issues that you might have. We've put close to a thousand hours on our motor and have had next to no issues. Any problems or questions that we've had, the team at Rodan responded quickly and has had parts to us the next day. If you're interested in taking the next step on improving your boat's anchoring system and giving yourself an advantage when it comes to fishing, make sure you check out Rodan Marine Systems' line of GPS anchors. Visit rodanmarine.com to check them out. The level of stoke went oh yeah just, gone oh, and they just like cracking beers it's like in the you know it's like 10 in the morning and they're just everybody's just like what the fuck so we put a spread out and we're trolling on one engine and and i'm like I'm, in, I'm, I'm on my satellite phone on my tower like having a nervous breakdown like literally like like the the italian temper was was in full gear full swing i think i called my wife and told her like you know i was i was gonna kill myself and then i called my mechanic joe and and joe's like you know joe sacchetti is a good buddy of mine and joe's like he's like don't try to start the engine i'm like oh oh, oh, oh." i'm like i didn't know it was hydrolocked because that's the worst thing you can do if your engine's hydrolocked is obviously try to start the freaking thing because then you bend all the rods and everything else but i didn't know i thought when i when i when i lost it initially i thought it was an electrical problem and that happens that does happen on on my boat or with the old man's i would have a uh sometimes the because i had mechanical rpm uh um uh what do you call them cables you know that would actually spin like a, a gauge, so I could see my RPMs mechanically, and sometimes that would like come loose, and I would literally lose my engine gear, and it would it would do exactly what just happened. And so, anyways, I, I was like, I, I knew the engine was toast, and so I was like, all right, we're gonna head in. So we're heading in, we're trolling, and uh, and we hit, catch a big mahi. It was like a thirty-four pound mahi. So that was like, all right, well, we lose, we got a fish, you know, and then I'm thinking, all right, well, now I can at least charge these guys something. <laughs> we got a fish <laughs> to pay for my fuel. Yeah, exactly. And uh, oh, it was bad. And and then we kept trolling, and I don't know, we were we were climbing up the wall because we had gone, we had run all the way to the southeast corner of Atlantis Canyon, and then started working our way up the wall, and we were probably like right at the tip. And and I saw a bunch of mahi like flying out of the water. It looked like a school of like, uh, it looked like a school of bait, but they were all mahi and they were literally just doing this. And I thought, you know, oh, they must be like chasing squid or something, yeah. you know. And so I kind of headed over there, and we get we get there, and, I, and now I'm down in the cockpit, and I'm just kind of standing there, probably just like you know commiserating with, with my with god and i'm and i'm, and I'm look i'm looking out behind me and 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 i see this fucking shadow come up to the to the right short it was the evil on the right short and and i was like like i it, the shadow was like so big that i thought it must be like a cloud you know like and i, and I remember being like not like excited just kind of confused like the fuck is that and next thing you know it was just like a little just 
and then clip off the outrigger. You know, no boil, no crash, no sickle fin, just like a, a little bit of like a, and then all of a sudden it was just like, and then a huge boil when the fish must have felt like pressure just, yeah. and and I and it looked like a, like, like a, you know, like a mammal. You know, just left a huge boil. And I, I was like, oh, fuck, we just hooked a giant. Right instantly, I was like, we have a giant on. So we cleared the spread. We got dumped. I mean, absolutely dumped. It was an 80. And, and back then, we weren't even using Spectra yet. We were, we were using Dacron. No so it was why. an 80 with Dacron <laughs> with like a top shot of like, you know, 130. Uh, and, and, and literally, like Nick was on the rod. I was just like, stay on the rod. And everybody else is reeling shit. And then everything's swinging in the riggers. And Nick's like, we're getting spooled. I'm like, no shit. And so now I'm on one and I'm like, how the fuck? Are we? You know, I'm like, I can't back down on this thing. So literally, I just remember like looking up and being like, what the fuck is that? And it, it was literally like the next town over. I was seeing whitewater and it was this Holy fish. Shit. It was like a mile. It was so far <laughs> away. And the line, the belly was like going this way. You know how it is with yeah, the yeah, yeah. you know. And the, the belly, you know, the line was going straight out and then over here. And then like out here was the fish. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go at it. So I just put the boat in gear and made like this, you know, big, long arc and finally slacked up the rod enough where Nick could start getting some line. He was down to, you can ask him, he was down to like nothing, nothing. Starting like, to see gold. Oh, definitely down to see gold. He was like, <laughs> I think he said that. And, and I told him to go- and he goosed the drag too. That was the other thing. He fucking went up and that's what brought the fish up to jump. I told him to goose the drag. I was like, fuck it, just do it. Yeah. And I figured there was enough belly in the line that when, you know, sometimes when you goose the drag, you can actually just pull the line through yeah, the yeah. water and not just you know, pop the fish off. So he, he gooses the drag and, and like all of a sudden the fish came up and then everyone's like, it's a marlin, you know? And then I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this thing's gotta be a big marlin. You know, it just emptied the spool in like 30 seconds. So anyways, I'm, I'm shooting at the fish on one engine and Nick's reeling some slack. And I mean, the line was draped across the ocean, like kite string. Like it was just, you know, cause now it's slack. Right? Yeah, right. And I'm trying not to run it over. Cause I'm like, where, you know, where is it? I, you know, I'm trying to head towards the fish without running the line over that was the big thing and uh and so and, and nick's yelling at me the whole time like you know t- t- right because you know he's reeling it's on the support side and he's and, and you know literally like the rods you know the boat's like this and the rods like this so we finally get like onto the top shot and then it's just like a grudge match and i don't know it was probably like an hour and a half and i went up to the tower because i wanted to get some video i was videoing back then for the uh, thing i used to do called the monster club i don't know if you guys remember oh yeah we like used to, i think it had all those members it multiple was, times it was remember. so much fun yeah we used to <laughs> yeah. do that uh so i was videoing for that thing and so you know i was up on the tower shooting down and and i start to see color and uh this guy ivo allen was the charter um he's he was a guy from new jersey he'd actually caught the tiger shark with me just a lucky irish yeah as a horseshoe. SOB, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's 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 reeling in this fish. And I remember looking down and I remember seeing the color and it was like, holy crap, like the, the single the submarine, you know, all lit up. And and that was the first time I'd seen a real, like a real big blue that was, you know, wasn't a 400 pounder. This thing was fucking massive. And, um, and I remember yelling down to those guys, like this thing's huge. And then, you know, when it came up, Nick was like wiring the thing. And I remember he like, he like stepped back when the thing came up. He was just like, holy shit. Like I, like I, I could see it like, and Nick's, you know, you guys know. He's Nick. not a small he's guy. 
Yeah. It's Turbo. Turbo doesn't flinch. <laughs> Turbo flinched. When he saw this fish, he stepped back and, and, he, and he looked up at me. Like, he stepped back and then he looked up like, like are you seeing this shit? And I, we were all just like jaws open, you know, like, holy crap. And nobody, nobody thought to like take pictures. I'm, I'm videoing and the picture that's on Facebook uh, the one after the pick we were talking about, it's, yeah. it's a shitty grainy shot is, is from, from the, video. from the video. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and so, um, but that fish came up and, and, you know, we got her on her side and I mean, it was, uh, it, it looked like the fish had stopped growing lengthwise and just continued growing girth wise. It looked wow. deformed, like the shoulders came off the, came off the head and just went straight up. Like just like almost like a hunchback, yeah, yeah. Except it wasn't just a hunch; it was like the whole mass of the fish, and then it tapered down. That's it was so just strange. this, this. Yeah, it was really strange. Like it was literally like sea monstrous. Like it looked like a deformed marlin. And if the first thing I thought was like this fish is like fucked up looking, like almost like yeah. we caught a mutant. Yeah. But then I realized like this is what happens <laughs> with these things. They actually this is what they do. They just yeah. keep growing. It was massive. I mean, the I, I don't know. You can ask Blake. It was so big, like. uh Blake had to hold Nick and he, and he like held out to grab the, the thing was so, you know, wide. It, it took like one, one of those guys to like literally like stretch out to grab the dorsal. Cause I wanted to keep the fish upright. I mean, the thing was exhausted. It was absolutely wiped, like no color. Um, and so we, we literally revived that fish for at least a half hour. And it was a bitch. Like Nick almost fell in the water like three times. Um, I, you know, he was holding on to the dorsal as best as he could and at this point, I, I just had the trolling valve on, and we were trying to save the fish. I wasn't like filming, you know. Yeah. And I did, I did some filming of the fish behind the on the side of the boat, but it was so hard because there were all these guys, and you see like Nick's like you know board shorts falling off his big white ass, and, 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 and it's like you know you got that, and then Blake's holding his legs like this, and then some other guys like reaching out with like a gap. This was when a snooter, by the way. Um, would have been awesome. Would have been awesome. Yeah. And and that's what, what I, there's a workshop that uh, we're doing at the seminar um, on how to use a snooter. And, and, and I know a, a good manufacturer who makes them um, to order and they're cheap. They're like a few hundred bucks or a couple yeah. hundred, but you know, and, and, but man, it's a, just a lasso device that you can put on the bill of a fish and then you can help like move the fish and direct the fish. Cause those Marlin, man, when they come up cooked, I mean, you guys know they're, they're exhausted and they're, and they're, a lot of them die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't put the time in, um, and really you need to see color in their pecs to, to you know, and, and sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes you just don't get it. But we, we were able to revive this thing. Um, it took about a half hour and man, it was just, but it was just one of those fish that I, I thought about killing it, you know, just to, just to see what it weighed. Cause no one's going to believe us kind of thing, you yeah. know, and you can't say it's a grander cause you, you know, till it's on the scales, which it's absolutely right. Yeah. But you know, you know, I, I, we all looked at it. We, we took a rough measurement, like it was like 138 inch fork. Um, you know, we measured the area of like, like we lined it up on the boat. Um, the other guy, Andre on the charter, who became a good friend of mine, you know, that's what he, he was like, just put it on the side of the boat and then we'll use a tape after. And, and so the rough fork was like 138 inches. You know, that's a fucking monster. That's a huge fish. Huge fish. I can't huge. even imagine how big the tail on that fish must have been. It was massive. The tail, and that we, and that was one of the things I saw when it was down about twenty feet. Was that big tail? Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a massive tail. It must and have the been bill five, six feet. Had wide, to have been. Right? It's insane how much longer they are than a tuna tail. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, that's a good point. 
That's a good point. The bill too was 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 really thick because I remember uh, Nick was trying to grab that at first, and he he couldn't get his hands, he couldn't get like a good gra- grab on it, and and even to this day he's always like that fucking bill, you know, the thing was just like a. You just, want, you just wonder pole. what a fish like that has seen in its lifetime. Or where eaten. it came from. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, was that thing swimming around like Brazil? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, seriously, it's a it's a big ocean-dwelling fish that, that you know, highly migratory fish could have came from anywhere. So cool. It is cool. It is cool that we have that, you know, species like that up off of Massachusetts. I mean, I tell people even today, like, you know, like, they're like, where do you catch those blue marlin down in Florida, Key West? I'm like, no, Nantucket. Yeah. You know. People don't get it. They still don't understand. Like, we have a great blue water fishery up here. It's world class. It really is. I mean, it's far away, and, and you know, you need a couple of days and, and a few thousand dollars of fuel to do it. But I'll tell you, man, if, if you can do that, it's like, it's, it's, I'd put it up against any fishery. Yeah, absolutely. The variety and stuff just, especially when you have a place to yourself and you time it right and the conditions are right, the fish can be so aggressive. Yeah. So aggressive. Just not a lot of boat pressure all the time. Mm. that's awesome yeah the tuna story tuna fishing is good too you know which is nice like out there and then in the in the early season you get the giants out there too which is cool you know oh yeah is this my water by the way that's your water cool awesome i'm gonna see what else is on the if you were this is the we ask everyone who catches blue marlin in the canyons this question too blue marlin or giant bluefin tuna for the rest of like your if life, we were going to put the, the two in life. like a cage match together. Oh, I, oh, we're doing cage match? Yeah, like oh, cage, cage match, match. Like a cage match nice. fight between a How about a tug of war, like a hook and a hook? Okay, tug of war. Tug of war, bluefin, blue, all right, so this from is, the bite. We're going to break this down to like three categories. Yeah. So <laughs> I like all these so categories. If first, if they bit at the exact same time running opposite directions. With infinite pound test and infinite hook. <laughs> all right, so, so initial, initial power, I'd say they're about equal. Okay. Initial power, I'd say that because I've had giants, and I'm sure you guys have too, that have just taken off to the races. Yeah. And there's no stopping them. Yeah. And you just pray they turn or, or something happens. At a standstill too, which is like another factor to this. Yeah. It's because like eight, you're no, sitting still that's a lot true. of times, giant fishing, Good and point. they take lines so fast. Good point. Mm. It's kind of, you know, the hook one going that fast trolling is a whole nother ball game. Yep. But go ahead. Yep. No, yeah, it's true. a good point. So yeah. I, I would say they're equal. Um I would say after the the initial run, you know, like like the grudge match, the tuna's going to win that one. I think. Yeah. I think Marlin tend to uh, they don't give up all the time. We've had blues that have, that have fought to the death, and I hate when they do that. They'll we always try to you know the thing about a blue Marlin is a lot of times they'll jump themselves out, they'll be on the surface, and they'll stay on the surface, mm-hmm. kind of confused. They're catching their breath, and you just we try to back down as fast as humanly possible and literally slack the line so the fish doesn't feel anything. It almost feels like it's free. Yeah. And we just, I've done this with Andy a couple of times where we back down on a green fish that's just sitting on the surface. And by the time they try to come alive, we already got the leader and they just pop right off. Yeah. That's ultimately the way to do it if you can. But man, some of those fish just, they sound and they go into that, you know, the deep water and they, and they die. They just fight to the death and then you're screwed because it's so hard to get a big fish up on stand up, you know, a dead fish. Yeah. You know, just like a tuna. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd give that, that round to the tuna, the grudge match. And then in a cage fight, ooh, that's tough because the marlin's got a weapon, man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, some of the pictures I've seen, like impaling eighty pound yellowfins and stuff. Like I am yeah. all set with that. Imagine that. Or thing. some of the stories that uh, Kenton Gear has of the yeah. big eyes off the danglers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. I, I, actually, I, I got a 
good story. A friend of mine, it, it didn't happen to me, but my friend Greg Schulteis was fishing in the Beach Haven tournament years ago. I met him in Panama, uh, became a good friend of mine, but they had an albacore they were fighting. It was like a 40-pound albie that they had in the wash and a monster blue, like he said, around 700, came up and whacked the thing right in half. Just put that thing in, in half, in two pieces. And then they, and then came back and the captain was like, get him back, I can throw that back, you know, get the head. And they left the, the, it was like on a, on a zucker feather, I think he said. And they, they just drifted the head back and the thing came back up, ate the head. Wow. And they had it on for like, you know, five minutes. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's wild. It's yep. crazy to think being able to swing that bill around like they do under, like you can barely swing your arm underwater. Yeah, yeah right. Speed. And be able to, being able to smash something in half that way with the displacement. Yeah. There's a weird question that just popped into my mind, my mind. Have you ever heard of anybody hooking a blue marlin at night fishing for swordfish? So not a blue, but but a white. We hooked a white one time on a piece of butterfish. Like we were chumming. This was way back. This was probably like in 2005. And uh, we hooked a white marlin on a, on a chunk. Huh. That was bizarre. What do you think it is? you think it's all just because they sight fish and, and it's dark? Or do you think it's... They just don't eat at night at all? I don't think they eat at night because I do a lot of trolling at night. We do a lot of trolling at night. We, we didn't do it uh, back in the day, but probably for the past six or seven years, we, we've been trolling a lot. Sometimes the entire night we'll troll, you know, mm-hmm. um, just because there's big eye around. You know, 10 years ago when like Scotty and Johnny were fishing with me, you know, we were psyched when we caught a big eye every two weeks. You know, now, you know, multiple big eye on a trip is like, yeah, it's a decent trip. Mm. So it's, but, you know, those are nocturnal fish. Um, so obviously it makes sense to, to, you know, to fish at night, not just focus on swords unless you want to, you know, but yeah, no, I, I don't think they feed at night. I really don't. I don't know anyone who's caught a blue at night. Do you guys? I don't know anybody. The only blue marlin activity I've heard of at night is uh, that video galvin posted i think it was like the mm. the battle swimming around the boat yeah. right that was in the lights that wasn't too long after setting up though i don't think i think he like just yeah, set something up like just went down or yeah was that the big game battle where you have to the night bite starts at like <clears throat> nine it or was something? the big game battle because yeah it's funny i thought of that too on this question I yeah the yeah. exact same thing they didn't hook it but he had it was like a three so four hundred plus pounder just swimming around the lights it's pretty wild I mean, and so- i'm sure they Threw something at it, you yeah. know what I mean. And yeah, if it yeah. was it was feeding, it probably would have ate. Totally, yeah. Curiosity. Huh. That would have been an interesting fight. Speaking yeah, right. speaking of Galvin, <laughs> what's Just one? Talk to Harry Johnny <laughs> yeah. Chewbacca. Yeah. Um, what's one of your favorite Johnny Galvin stories? Oh man, <laughs> I, I I could write a book. Um, I am writing a book, actually. Are you? <laughs> I am. I'm no writing way. A book. Awesome. I am writing a book about all this shit. That is really? awesome. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah, so I, I hope. I, I'm. I, I've been saying every year, like, oh, I'll have it published next year. It's been, you know, it's been like a decade. But no, I'm trying to get like 15 stories together, and I'm, I'm, I'm like eight. I'm like halfway there. That's, that's great. really cool. You're a great writer. That's gonna be a. Oh, that's thanks. gonna be an awesome read. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy, you know, it's, I just, I love the story element of it. I do. I love, I mean, j- just this stuff, you know, writing, whatever. Um, but yeah, I know Johnny and I fished together for a long time. We have a lot of crazy stories together. Um, Johnny Galvin's story. I mean, the, honestly, the, the, the best stories were when Kevin Glenn was in the lineup with us and we, yeah. we used to fish like the tri-state with Kevin. Um, we did that a couple of times. Um, it was Johnny, Kevin. I think one time we had Johnny, Kevin, 
Nick and Scotty. How about that for an all-star <laughs> cast? Wow. How did you survive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like literally like a, I was like I was like a babysitter back then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like their dad. Um, but uh, no, those guys were funny, man. We, we used to have so so much fun. I, there was there was one scene that I, I actually videoed it and I, I put it on a. I made like a scissor reel of all the stupid shit we did back yeah, in the yeah. day. And there's one scene where like Johnny's eating like a tuna heart and he's like chew he's like chewing it and he's. <laughs> And, and, and there's like blood like dripping down his jaws like like if he tried to do this now he'd have tuna blood in his beard for like a year <laughs> it was so it, it looked like you know it looked like a murder scene and he's like chewing it and he's like he's like and he's chewing and he's like it tastes pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I can picture him doing that too yeah he's oh no he goes it's still beating that's what he said he goes it's still beating <laughs> oh my Kevin's god Kevin's like spraying him with the cut with the wash down hose like literally <laughs> Oh, oh, that's great! He's a character. We had we had some crazy stories. We got hit by lightning one time. I think he was on the boat for that. Um, out of, out of fish tails. We, yeah, we saw a nuclear submarine. Johnny goes. Uh, we we were like literally catching yellowfin, and the, and the, and I I I was like I gotta film this because and I gotta find this footage because I have it buried in like you know my archives of like HD uh, H eight. What it was like high eight tapes. Remember those yeah, fucking things? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have like mountains of those things in a closet somewhere. But we there was a nuclear sub and it. It was like no markings on it, and it like popped up next to us, and and we were like fighting fish. And I remember, you know, Johnny's like, "Call me crazy, call me insane." I just saw me a summer rainbow <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> of course, I'm I, I was filming that too, you know. And I'm like, and I literally it's like a yellow fin, like a pound yellow fin on the deck, and then it's like. This is like a fucking four hundred foot sub. Oh, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, he's a he's a fun one to have around. Yes, he is a character. Oh. Um we ask everyone this. We're we're actually ending the rapid fire with this instead of starting. Okay, I like it. Superstitions. Are you a superstitious fisherman? Do you have any things anything on the boat systematically that has to be a certain way because you're superstitious? I'm very superstitious, but um, it's it changes daily. You know what I mean. <laughs> and that's that's what I tell my that's, that's what I tell kind. my shrink <laughs> and my parole officer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I I, uh, I I honestly I I am very superstitious, and I'm I'm always doing whacked out shit and i don't know why and, and it's like always spur of the moment and, and sometimes people are like you know anders is just like why why and it's like don't ask why just do it you know <laughs> so yes I, i'm very superstitious but there's not really anything i can i can you know it's not like we you know paint everything red the night before like i i don't have any like ritual huh yeah it's, it's just how you're, what you're feeling. feeling in the moment what right. i'm feeling in the moment and exactly let the ocd take over totally yes <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes it'll be one of those things where it's like you know like oh, i'm not going there because i know you know it's just like a gut sometimes it's just a guttural thing hmm. um but uh yeah i don't know that's a good question i'm sure there's i'm sure there's stuff i just can't think of it offhand but i'm sure there's some ridiculous shit that i do that <laughs> whatever it is it seems must work <laughs> it seems to work anyway we yeah. catch we catch well you know we're out there all the time too i mean yeah. it's like anything you know you you do it enough just like you guys you know you you figure it out and 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 you you know you master that 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 uh pursuit you know as best mm -hmm. as you can and and you, you become successful at it yeah yeah i mean do you guys have any superstitions i'm similar to you 
I change them daily, every season. Last year it was socks. I had like Brian has t- weird ones. Yeah, Taylor knows this. I have this like hierarchy of fishing clothing. So you give me a fresh shirt. Again, o- OBBC 2022 shirt. We do what good in the tournament. I'll wear that shirt for the rest of the season. You know, we have a good couple of days. That eventually makes its way to like, all right, this is one of the 10 shirts I'm going to wear all year. He has an RJ Boyle shirt that yeah. I'm pretty sure is in every tune picture. Almost every single But he also it's has... either on under that is something. It's shirt. in my bag. Interesting. But they you just slowly climb the ladder. If I yeah. wear it and I don't catch shit that day, it goes down a notch. Okay. You know, And I was doing that with socks weird. last year. Yeah. So that's weird. Uh, I got nothing other than we use the same color balloons. But it's not really a superstition. It's just what we buy and what we... No, I think it's pretty superstition. We use red balloons for all high floaters so that's we use yellow balloons for everything weighted that's interesting so that is i do the same thing not the same colors but i i am superstitious with the balloon colors yeah are there any colors that you absolutely cannot have uh yeah i don't i don't like green for some reason i'm always like don't use the green i don't think i've used green green green. or blue i don't use blue either i like blue yeah yeah it's weird jeff won't put a yellow balloon in the i know jeff hates yellow i don't like yellow either (laughs) i'm with you jeff (laughs) fuck yellow (laughs) tell us about your uh 2021 season like from start to um finish how to go what'd you catch yeah, 2021 was um was was good. Uh it was it was rough. So like the the beginning of the year uh in June, I like to so so as you guys know, like we've had our early every year it's like er, the season starts earlier and earlier. I feel like it, you know, it's going to be May one of these times, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, and I I was ready to go uh in, in mid-June this year. And uh, like I got a bunch of stuff on the books for for this coming June just because, you know, we've had such good early season activity out there. Um, but the problem was I couldn't get to the damn fish. You know, I mean, you know, Sinful was out there catching lots of fish, you know, off the edge. I know Mark had a really successful trip and it was all in June. And every time I was slated to go, and this happened three trips in a row, we got blown out. So that was mm-hmm. frustrating. It was a windy fish early season. Wicked windy. Crazy I mean, I was doing bass Gross. trips with Rob and it was like, we, were, we weren't even, we were like, well, let's just go get breakfast. And we, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that crappy. Rainy. Rainy. Gross. And windy. Mm-hmm. Um, once it once it did break, um, you know, the fishing was good. The tournament, the Oak Bluffs Blue Water Classic this year had a lot of fish, which was good to see. Um, lots of tunas, lots of marlin. A lot of guys went out. I feel like the the better part of the year started to the east, like out in the eastern canyons, like way out there. It, it kind of, I feel like they went to, uh, in my tournament, they were all out at like Ocean and even east. Oz. It's pretty wild what they're doing over there. It is. It is. I, I, I keep seeing these these big fat, you know, mambo tuna on swim platforms. <laughs> so I'm like, what the all fuck? Right. But that's European tuna fish. It is. It is. That's actually one of the coolest things I think, you know, following people that that catch them all over the world, seeing the the types of boats they're, they're oh, using yeah. to catch yeah. them. It's strange. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, just Hawaii alone. Like, look at Hawaii, like how they have like everything on pedestal rod holders. And yeah, like they don't even use their gunnels. Yeah. Or in Italy, where they have the one holder, with, and they're all spread. Yeah, out, it's like, like a rocket. They're like chumming from a rocket launch. Yeah, I have strange. one of those that I, that I got at like some auction, and and it's just sitting in my basement, and it weighs about you know 
200 pounds. It's wow. like a huge thing of metal, but it can hold like 10 rods. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. So where were we? 2021, we're talking about windy June, um, the canyons going off in June, and Damon trying to get there. That's where we were. Yes, trying and failing miserably. Yes. Yeah, we did. I think our first trip was like, I was definitely after the 4th. It was in July. Um, and I think it might have been uh, might have been after my tournament even. So my tournament's usually around the 12th of the month of July. And uh, <clears throat> that's what it is this year. I think it was like the 14th last year. But anyways, um, usually my tournament is smack in the middle of like a red hot bite. And it's been like that for like three years. Yeah. And this year was was no different. Um, but oh, I don't, I, so what I was saying is the bite was out east. It was way out towards like oceanographer and even east of there, Lydonia, um, and, and the boats that could make it all did well. I mean, the, the boats who, you know, the boat who won Picasso moon, you know, he racked up a bunch of points with billfish. I think he had like two blue Marlin, some whites, um, you know, there were swordfish out there and all that water kind of pushed West as, as the season progressed. And by the time August rolled around, it was, you know, there, there was good fishing, like basically out uh, at the north, you know, and then regular canyons, hydrographer of each. Hmm. We had our best fishing, I feel like, late in the summer, um, where the when those big yellowfin were around. Yeah. Um, you know, we, like I said earlier, you know, we fished the mid Atlantic and it was really frustrating for us. It was just a, the fishing was slow. I mean, there were several hundred boats and I would say half of them struggled, you know, and, and, and good boats, you know, guys who, who know what they're doing. Um, you know, and we we went, you know, like I said, we ran up to Hudson one day and fished and there must have been, you know, 50 boats there. And I think maybe three or four caught fish. And then we went to, a, you know, Wilmington Canyon. One thing I noticed about fishing down there is the the tuna that were hooked, the boats that were fighting Big Eye and they were fighting them for like four hours were on like really light setups. Hmm. So the bites were coming on really shy gear. They're on white marlin setups. Guys were hooking these, you know. 150 200 pound big eye on on you know the dink bait rods yeah and they were fighting them for forever and a lot of them were lost fish you know and and uh but that was interesting because we were marking the fish i mean we had the birds we had the slicks you know the petrels everything looked right and uh i was thinking about you know taking the boat out of gear and like dropping jigs down but you can't it's a trolling tournament only but i was like man a ron z would crush these fish you know these especially these shy fish that are down deep and we couldn't get them up you know we tried everything tommy was going out of his mind maddie you know all of us were trying everything um but that's what i noticed down there and i think it's probably because of the traffic you know one thing we have to be thankful for is we don't you know we don't have the traffic on those eastern canyons like a lot of other places do mm-hmm. you know which is nice i mean i've i remember days we'd be the only boat out there um, you know, th- those days are pretty much gone, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like to fish towards the Eastern canyons, you know, like beach hydrographer. Um, but yeah, we had some good fish. We, um, you know, we caught some, some swords, some big eye, um, you seem to be getting more and more, um, focused towards the, the swordfish thing. Well, because of, of Tommy and 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 uh, Anders is dialed in on it now, and and they love to do it. I mean, Tommy literally like begs me to stop and deep drop. <laughs> and then when we're doing it, I'll be like, you know, I'll tell him like, all right, we'll do it for an hour, you know. And then it's like an hour and a half later, I'll be like, all right, so Tommy, uh, five more minutes, and he'll he'll be like, okay. 
And then five minutes becomes like 15 minutes. And then 15 <laughs> minutes becomes 35 minutes. And then literally we're arguing and he's just like, come on, one more drift. And I'm like, all right, all right. But no, he, he loves it. Um, it's funny because I, I, I like the, de- you know, the daytime drop game, but I'm not a, I, I'd much rather be moving around and, and, you know, trolling for, for blues. Yeah. I, I, that's just me. Um, but everybody's different. Um, I always feel like when I'm when I'm daytime and I'm I'm like I'm out of the race. I just I'm stepping in the, you know, in the in the in the re- in the rest area, and I get like anxious when we're just sitting there. It's tough in a tournament. It's like a total mind game. It is. You know, it is. I mean, a couple of years ago we were fishing the big game battle, and like a swordfish is worth a lot of points in that tournament. I almost feel like they need to they need to adjust that a little because the guys who do well are always someone who has a swordfish. And I was right. like, we got to do a daytime swordfish in this. And we had already caught, you know, a bunch of yellowfin. We we had a, um, I don't think we had a blue, but we had like a couple whites and, and, um, and, and uh, some mahi. Like we had a good variety of fish, but I was like, we need, you know, instead of chasing the blue marlin, I was like, we got to get a sword. And we spent five hours five hours drifting and we finally got a swordfish and it helped us, you know, win some money. But I mean, that's, you're right though. It, it's nerve wracking. It is. It's so nerve wracking. Cause you know, there's guys trolling around you and you can hear the chatter on the radio, just released another one. It's like, fuck, what are we doing here? But those guys, I mean, Anders and Tommy are very dialed in. I mean, to, you know, uh, Anders fished with, with Nick, uh, down in, you know, the keys, uh, Nick Stanzik. And, uh, you know, learned a lot from Nick and, and, you know, he's just apply. It's nice to, to watch those guys and just see what they do. Yeah. Because it's a total different mindset. It's just a whole, it's, it's mathematics. It's, uh, you know, I mean, the rigging's the same, you know, rigging a strip bait, whatever, you know, it's similar. To, uh, I mean, I learned how it's to all, do that. It's all symmetry Panama. and all that right. stuff. Same, same sort of principles, same principles, but it's like, as far as like the, you know, the placement of your bait though, there's a lot of math there and, yeah. and it's like, you know, Figuring it out is not a not always easy, especially when there's you know tide. And I feel like the the bite was better when the tide was moving. Mm-hmm. I noticed that past couple of years. Better action of the bait, Be- or better uh, either better action, or maybe the fish are just opportunistic. I mean, swords are down low. Uh, Tommy always likes to fish, you know, holes, you know, like trenches, and uh, it makes sense. It's almost like a bass, you know, yep. just hanging out there, just picking On stuff the off the bottom, crabs and lobsters, whatever. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Is there any <clears throat> ever any time where they're looking for something on the surface before dropping? I always wonder that. Like you looking for slicks or like a like stuff on the surface to help determine where you're gonna drop deep. Nope. It's always bottom. In fact, Tom, you know, I, I mean that's just my experience is is just staring at the bottom, literally staring at the at the at the uh the sounder. And, and watching the bottom and like literally putting a scope on the bottom and just looking for, and sometimes you can mark fish. We've marked, you know, they, they don't look like a hook. They're just like a, a stick, yeah, yeah. but they're right off the bottom. A lot of those fish are just down there. Sometimes they look like they're part of the bottom. Uh, you know, I remember Tommy got all excited one time. He's like, oh, that's a swordfish. And I'm like, what, that little like, piece of crud? <laughs> you know, it's like a piece of seaweed down there. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you're, you're going, you know, you're looking down 1,500 feet. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a lot. A lot of it's just bottom. And, and it's it's some of it's counterintuitive, too, because you're you're kind of just like letting out 
a ton of line. One thing we did do was during the uh, offshore cup, we were we were going IGFA legal, so we were we weren't using electric reels. Yeah. We were we were doing it manually. Wow. And I, I will say, um, the first time we did that, I, rem- I remember like just you know we let out an ungodly amount of line. Like you know, I think it was like whatever eighteen hundred feet of line off the reel um, on a fifty. And we were like East Atlantis and I had one of my really good clients, Jimmy Riccardi, and we were fishing the, uh, uh, the, the offshore cup. So we had to be IGFA legal and we, we, you know, we were watching the tip and sure enough, we get the bite, come tight, you know, Jimmy's reeling the thing in and slowly but surely that thing comes to the surface. And next thing you know, like Tommy and I are like staring out at the horizon and you see these like birds, like just fly. And it was like a mile away. (laughs) And, and and it was like the fish just spooked those birds. Like that's our fish. And I remember Jimmy was like, "That that's not the fucking fish." I'm like, "That's the fish, Jimmy." And his head just kind of like he's like, "Oh no, so better you than me, pal." Right. And then you got that big ten pound weight that's like lagging around, which actually helps. You know, sometimes a lot of times, um, you know, because it screws up the fish. But man, it it. But we did that a lot. We did a lot of and and, and I'm we're gonna actually talk about that at the seminar. Is like how to go. You know, IGFA legal hooker electric's got a reel now. I don't know if you guys know that that allows you to kind of keep in the IGFA game because you can take the motor right out. Yeah, right. So yep. you drop your bait down and then the motor comes out because IGFA's they don't really care about you. You know, checking baits and 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 moving around and and whatever it's it's just they don't want any kind of mechanical device used in the uh reeling in of the fish you know that's where it comes so it's it's tough when you're like well i used the bait to i mean the 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 electric reel to raise the bait but then i stopped and then the fish ate like they want to remove all that uncertainty out of the the so that being said, are you allowed to hook the fish? If you know one's attacking your bait, can you hook it with the electric reel? No. Okay. That's so the you're, thing. you're seeing the, the bite in theory and going over and hand cranking. You basically have to, what they want you to do is you deploy that bait and then you take the motor out of the equation. Okay. And so now as soon it's as it's mechanical. down. Correct. Wow. So um, here's the, here's where it gets tricky. But when you retrieve, you you can put it back in because okay. that's where that's what the back breaking ball breaking work is retrieving mm. to move or just check a bait it's like literally 20 minutes of hand cranking and it's like guys rotating through and like yeah. literally your arm feels like it's going to fall off um and so that's the sucky part but it's nice to be able to use the electric reel to do that and that's what the hooker allows and and hopefully they'll all come out with it i mean i'm hoping you know lp will come out with something too um you know, we use LP reels now and, and I love them, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's important to stay IGFA in these tournaments, you know, even, even my tournament, yeah. same thing. You got it's gotta be IGFA. And it's so strategic for up here in those multi-species tournaments, like you're saying, like big time, you pretty much have to commit some time to it. You know, you got to put some time in and, and, uh, and do it because, uh, yeah, you need those points, you know, you got to get that variety. I mean, you could have the best day you know you could quad up on big guy and be a rock star for you know two hours yeah but that's it yeah then it's over yeah and you gotta go and now you gotta go get your billfish yeah. you're just in the tuna calcutta at that point mm-hmm. that's it you know that's right yep you know all about catching big tunas and not being in the tuna calcutta <laughs> yeah you guys do <laughs> I don't know what it is dude <laughs> that's right yeah we've that's got right. giant bluefins twice i think Oh no, yeah. we got we got a smaller bluefin on one one of your tournaments that won the bluefin. Well, we won both bluefin calcutters in two years in a row. But I, 
Yeah. We got the giant. I remember that fish. And it was yeah. like, it broke our scale. <laughs> exactly. It did. It, it did. It broke our spirits, too. <laughs> Dude, we, we hooked. I don't know if you know the whole story, but we hooked that in the first. That was the first ha- line in the water. Get out. No. I swear to God. Pulling into the canyon, like in the mixed water, some sheer waters. And we pulled into the canyon where we were, we got like four rods out. And you got the, the left rod. long out. I was putting the right long out and that went off. Yeah. And we thought we had a blue marlin the entire time. I bet you did. Yep. Yeah. Because it was probably time. blue water. Right. Up high, doing the whole like non-jump, acting like a blue marlin that wasn't jumping. Yeah, backing down on it while it's swimming away. Never saw it. Then sounded like, all right, he's tired. This is right. going to be a dog fight. The thing's just sitting down there in the current. And- so what did you guys do when you saw color and you're like, oh, we- fucking tuna? Like you probably weren't ready with a poon. We no. ended up get- tailgaffing oh, it. No, anyway. we couldn't. Yeah. Oh, no. We ended up just tailgaffing it. Yeah. Tailgaff. Tail rope. Dog. It was dead though. I mean, we fought it for three and a half hours and it came up dead. Came up dead. Yeah, dead, yeah. And then we had the same. I had the same thing happen the following year with Miles. Yeah, on our second day. Right at the end of the trip, it was our last bite, and we got like, we released it. We re- I released it with the with the uh, propellers on the leader, but <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a couple <laughs> like, times. <laughs> well, that big center console is like all of a sudden right there. Yeah. You know. Not used to it yet, but yeah. It's it's fun, though, when the big bluefin are out there. Uh, there was one year, I don't know, it was like maybe five years ago, they were out at Beach in, in July, and uh, and it was just on fire. And they were mixed in with yellowfin and big eye. Yeah. And I think you guys, I had called Rob West. I'm pretty sure you guys came out with Rob while we were out there. This was back. I'm going to yeah, say Yeah, we did five, go out there. We didn't, get a blue, we didn't get a bluefin, though. No. You got a blue marlin, I think, or, or, or big eye. I don't know. Or, I don't remember. But anyways, I... I uh, I called Rob because I was like, because literally we got out there and I saw a fleet and I'm like, oh, these guys are a bunch of green stick boats, like commercial boats who were giant fishing. And uh, I think um, like people that I, that I was kind of, I mean, I, he fishes the canes all the time, but they were, everybody was like tuna fishing. Mm. And, and so anyways, we put the spread out and we raised, like, I've never seen a wolf pack of giants. And like, I remember the moneymaker got blasted. That was the first thing that got hit. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I think, you know, that must have been a blue marlin. And then another, you know, the, the Carlson bird crushed. And then like a spreader bar just got annihilated. And then I started realizing like, these are fucking tuna. And then I'm like, they're not big eye. These things are giants. And we missed all three fish. They were throwing, sorry. They were throwing so much water around. Like the, like the, the baits were doing cartwheels. Like I, the spreader <laughs> bar was literally like, <laughs> and like, you know, everything was like boom, 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 clip, snap, snap, nothing. And I was like, you got to be shitting. You know, everybody's like, oh. Mm. <laughs> and then the, the shoots were like. Fish, fish, eh. yeah. So we double up and we're on these fish for like, you know, an hour and a half. We've lost one, chafed it off, and then we ended up catching it. It was like a 86-inch fish. Um, but and, and then we just proceeded. And then we got, I think, another one. You know, like a same same size fish, and it was like it was like good giant fishing out at the canyon. It's unreal. I've never seen I've never seen it that good since. But uh, but that's what you can I get. Hearing about season. that bite that early June July, you have a good shot at a northeast tuna slam when you're out there. You do. I've, I think I've got it two or three times that time of year. Yeah, you totally do. I don't think we got the big eye that day, but we caught a bunch of yellowfin. Yeah, yeah. Was it yeah. the trip that we we got we doubled up on bluefin on the way in? In the dump, um, we saw we didn't, school of fish. And- we did not get the slam that trip, but I remember that trip. Yeah, yeah. On our way home, we got two carried away. Where, where were we in his season? 
All right, so yeah, we were, we were talking about the season. <laughs> we yeah, I, right I, down a rabbit hole. No, so we so we've gone from June. We talked about early July, July August. Your tournament. We've talked about day, your focus on day dropping. One thing I wanted to morph into, which I'm assuming you did quite a bit of, was let's come back inshore to Chatham. Did you fish Chatham quite I a did. bit? I did. Yeah, we we uh, I like to switch gears out of canyon mode in September. And we did that this year, and and we did a lot of bluefin fishing. Um, I mean, I mean, the bluefin fishing was just ridiculous. Insane. It was, it was just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. It's a it's good to see that amount of fish. I hope they you know get a handle on on the regulations so that we can extend the season with like we did this year. That was nice. It was nice to actually have an October because um, we haven't had that in a while. Yeah. I feel like it's been what four years. Uh, yeah, four yeah. or five years. You know. So, um, no, we did a, I, the bay. I love fishing the bay. Um, for me, the bay is like, you know, the bank for you guys. You know, I, 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 I fish it all the time and I, I, I enjoy it, even though it, it'll, it'll drive you to put a gun to your head sometimes. <laughs> like the bay, the bay can be torture. Um, but lately it's been really good. And when it's good, it's worth going. There are mm-hmm. days though that, you know, when, when no one's catching, you don't, you don't really want to fish the bay when it, when it's a, you know, empty, barren, you know, bowl Desert. of salt. But like it, it, uh, this summer was uh, fall was really good, and and we we I ended up I lost a lot of fish though. Like we lost one with Nick that was a big fish. We fought for like three hours and lost another one after that. And then I was out with my kids and we lost another one. I think I lost like four in a row, and I was starting to go into like a a, a depression. There was like a ten day period in there though. We weren't in there at we, that. We time. heard about it though. But there was like a ten day period where. Everyone in there was hooking dinosaurs. It was like all a hundred. They were all inch big plus slob fish. They were yeah. all big fish, and there were a lot of lost fish. Like yeah. they were just tough. And there's so much gear. There's so much friggin' gear in that bay, and that's the problem. And mm. and the fish are right in the gear a yeah. lot of times, especially when the, you know you're fishing around the ledge, which is where I like to fish. There's the there's a ton of pots in there. Yeah, and the, and the fish always seem to go right for the friggin' pots. They really do. It's it's unreal. Pots, boats. Anchors. Pots, boats, anchors. And that's the other thing. You know, you get a lot of boats in there. Not everybody knows protocol on, on how to handle crowds. And, and, uh, but yeah, no, I, we lost a lot of fish, uh, and then finally broke the ice, you know, after like, I don't know, five or six trips. Um, but, but it was good. It was good. And then we did go to Chatham. I did a day where Scotty Clay and I ran around the, the hook there and, and ran down to like, I think we were like off a of Nosset. I feel like that's where the bite was. Like guys like Jay Goodwin were fishing out there all season mm. and catching fish, you know, even on slow days, you know, he said they were fish there. Um, and it wasn't like there was a lot of bait. Uh, the mackerel were kind of tough to come by. You know, I found the max were actually in the shallows. That's where we ended up finding them where it was around the, like the pot line and stuff yeah. like in, in the Sounds shallow. Like Peaked Hill. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot like Peaked yeah. Hill. It was a lot like Peaked Hill. You, you know, they, the, the fish weren't, the max weren't like out in the deep. Um, and that's another spot I like to fish. And we, and we actually caught a fish over, over near Peaked Hill. I saw you guys out there yeah. actually yeah. once or twice. We fished. That was one of those fish busting everywhere and none of us oh, could that catch was, one. That was, that was torture. We all had bites and no one caught. We yep. had a kite bite. I think you had a we, uh, high floater bite that's or whatever. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. That was frustrating. And then of course there were all the fucking sunfish that were blasting out around <laughs> it. And I'd be like, there's one. And you say, oh, no, that's a freaking sunfish. Oh um, yeah. That's the worst. You see, like, white water, and then you see, like, the stupid fin, like, five minutes later. It's like, oh. They do trick you. They get that, oh, yeah. that tuna crash look from a distance. For they sure. do. Funny. They want to go back to the bay? and Yeah. You, uh, you asked the question. 
So, I mean, we don't fish the bay much. You fished it a lot more than us. Um, have you seen any, and you're going to laugh when I say this, have you seen any patterns? Have you seen any like, like the banking kind of develop a pattern with the fish? Mm-hmm. Have you seen any patterns with the bay, how the fish move, where they might be certain times of day, certain tides? Have you seen anything or is it seem to be completely random? I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'd i be lying if I told you there was there was a pattern that I, I had in my log because there really isn't. It's very, very random. Back in the day, the bay was an afternoon spot. It was dead in the morning. I mean, it was a waste of time to go out there at first light, at least for, for us. You know, Peacot Hill, different story, um, you know, but the bay, it was always like afternoon, midday. Um, now, it's it it could be first light it could be end of the day it could be at night um it could be any time you know we had bites all throughout the day over the past few years i have noticed that i guess the one thing i've noticed is that there are more fish in the bay than ever over the past couple of years i've seen a bigger concentration i think maybe that's partly due to the instinctual memory of that body of fish that keeps coming back mm. you know and that body of fish is growing um, and I think those are resident fish, I think, because a lot of them were the same size class fish the whole time. It wasn't like we were seeing a batch of like 85 inches in the bay for two weeks. And then all of a sudden the 100 inches, were ch- it was always that batch of bigger fish. Yeah, you might get a 95, 98 inch fish in there mixed in, but most of them were big. Um, but I do, I did notice a trend of, of the fish moving kind of away from wood end and, and out towards the middle this yeah. past season. Yeah. Because wood end's always been good. We've always done well in Wood End, um, and unfortunately, everyone else knows about Wood End. And so you, it's a tough place sometimes when you get, you know, 60, 70 boats all trying to fish Wood End, and then you get the Provincetown Ferry whipping through there. Yep. But, you know, the ledge, a little different. It's a little more spread out. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have noticed a, there's, you know, over the past few years, there's a shitload of those little Bonita in the mm-hmm. bay. Um, some Max, too, you know, but... Not a not a huge concentration of bait, just scattered random, you know, patches of bait. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like the bank where you you mark clouds, right. condensed clouds. You know, in the bay it's just it's just mud. There's really no structure. Um, you know, I do have numbers and, and Nick, you know, fished with me and, and uh, actually I'm trying to think who was mating for me when I when uh, it was uh oh, it was Maddie and Billy. So we had a season out there where we actually did have numbers. And I don't know. I don't know what was holding the fish there, but we were getting a bite every every single trip. Just on their path. Just probably on their path. Yeah. Yeah. They would come through. And it was always in the, you know, mid-morning to latter part of the day. Like we'd get there in the dark, never got a bite early morning. Mm. So I think it was like a migratory thing where they were. I mean, the old timers always, I remember talking to Bobby Sampson. Um, I wrote an article for Big Game Magazine like, 15 years ago about the harp, just the history of Cape Cod Bay and how it evolved and how it used to be a big harpoon spot. And, and Bobby said, you know, the fish go in there. And he, he, I remember him saying, it was like, it's a, it's a senior citizen. It's like a retirement home for a lot of big fish in the new England area. They go in the bay and they just, they do loops. Yeah. They just do circles and they're right on that, that edge, you know, and you, you can look at it like one of those captain seagull charts and see all the fishy spots and they're all right along that same you know 80 foot 100 foot edge like right on the right off the shoals Mm -hmm. yeah what about um 
What about bait tricks for the bay? I mean, you coming from where you keep the boat most of the time, you guys have good access to pogies and bluefish, and you have that advantage for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, bluefish is big. Yeah. Bluefish are great baits in the bay, um, I've found. You know, the only problem with the bluefish is, you know, it's not really a good downrod bait. I find the bluefish uh, don't like the colder temperatures. And, you know, you leave them down there too long and they come up stiff as a board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, but anyways, you know, it, it uh, I, I, you know, yeah, bluefish kite bait, it's a no brainer yeah. in the bay. It's probably my go to. We had, I wish I was rolling footage. I was out there with Nick and Anders and, and, uh, and a real good client of mine who brought his niece. And uh, I actually posted a video of her the other day on Instagram in the, in the chair. But, man, we, we had a bluefish on a kite, and it was like a little candy, you know, little four-pounder. Four-pounder. Oh, God. And that thing was just trucking along the surface. I remember, I remember like, Andrews was, like, sending it, and the thing was, like, just flying. And I'm like, wow, that thing's lively. And it was, like, 20 feet from the boat, and, like, an 800-pounder just came flying out, missed it, but, like, launched it, it was like a pilot wheel, <laughs> just launching. There's and, nothing better than that. Oh, my God. It was the sickest kite bite I've ever seen. Yeah. And then another one came up. Nick went to the rod and, like, literally put it in free spool just in time. Another one came up and just, like, sliced it. Yeah. Gone. But, uh, you know, that's that's what I love about the bay. You know, the bank, I feel like it's it's busy. I don't know how you guys do it with kites on the bank, but I feel like it's more of a d- down rod place. It is, especially when it's, you know... The biomass of bait is herring. Yeah. But there's it's da- like years the year to year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We get a lot more kite bites on the eastern side of the bank. Yeah, sure. I believe I believe that. You know? Um and when there's a lot of mackerel around in general. Yeah. Um, early year we get kite bites. It's kind of one of those things that's <clears throat> it's not that we don't want to fish the kite. Like I would love to fish the kite all the time, but we're anchored ninety five percent of the time. Right. You know, so it's always in the way. You don't want always to ruin. You don't want to ruin your downrod. The tide is huge in the, out in the bank too. Exactly. So yeah, that's right. You need the tide going a certain way. Yep. Yeah. And we're drifting there, or like to Taylor's point, when we're up on like the shoal water, like more towards the eastern side, we'll mm-hmm. fish it more. Fish it in the bay. You know, as long as we have enough wind, we fish it every single time we're in the bay. Um, but yeah, I don't think we had. We always get a bite before. when the kite's out. Every single time. Yeah. It's just not on the kite. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I remember seeing you guys uh, when your dad was, when you were fishing with your dad, like this back when Johnny and Scotty were fishing with me and it was always like east of the bank. It was always like out in like that 300 foot mark and there were fish out there and it was all kite bites and it was fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, sick fishing out there. It was great fishing out there, and it literally, I you just run until you see the, the birds, and it was like, up oh, there we go, low flying shearwaters. Yeah, it's like twenty two thousand nine, ten, and eleven. It was like the perfect charter. Fishing. Yes, yeah. Pogies, high pogies on the kite. All yep. the fish were like sixty to seventy five inches. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. I miss those days. Really. Actually, another Galvin story was we were we were fishing out there on with a kite. And Johnny, you know, would either be asleep, you know, while we were waiting for a bite, uh, he would either be sleeping or he'd be down in, in the head. So Johnny goes down below. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, I got to go. I, got, I, 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 you know, I'm not even going to say what he said. So he goes down and, uh, and, and we're, you know, we're all staring out at the kite bait and the kite bait gets blasted. Right. So we're like, you know, everybody's real, you know, scrambling. And I'm like, Johnny. 
I got to hand it to Johnny though. Johnny came up there like a fireman. He was like, you know, his, his grunnings were like still down on his ankles. Pants were like on his knees. This episode is also brought to you by LT Marine Products. Since 2011, LT Marine has been designing and developing innovative, unique, and high-quality American-made sport fishing equipment. Taylor and I have known the crew at LT since they started. Chris is a great guy. Uh, we've been using every single piece of equipment um, that he's that he's made over the last several years. Um, his rod holders are extremely heavy-duty and high-quality he has the machining equipment to be able to put your boat name on the face plates um, and do other custom work as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and recently, over the last couple of years, we've worked with him to develop some new products that have actually been very popular amongst the the northeast um, northeast fishermen, specifically offshore and uh, and tuna fishermen. So, two of those products have been. His uh his swim hook for if you're harvesting a big big giant tuna, um you know you want to take care of that fish as as best you can prior to bringing him on board. And part of that process is after the fight, swimming the fish, you know, for a certain amount of time, kind of depending on the health of the fish and and how the fight went. But usually ends up being around an hour to get all the lactic acid out of the muscles and and give a, a better product at the end of the day when we when we sell our when we sell our fish. So we helped him design a, an affordable swim hook to be able to tow the fish behind the boat at a low speed <clears throat> and and accomplish that goal. So um, that was a pretty cool product that we that we collaborated on. And another one is uh, the new LT Marine uh, release hook. We've been doing a lot of release fishing for giants uh, over the last couple of years with the way that the quota, the quota has been open and closed. So we've really had a need for a way to properly revive these fish and get them back into, uh, into good health upon release. So um, if you go on the LT Marine website, you can see the release hook there. Uh, you can also go on our Instagram and Facebook and see how we have it rigged, but it's a it's a tool that we've implemented um, into our our process aboard our boats, and and it um, it makes releasing fish a lot safer for the crew, a lot better for the fish, and um, it's a really high quality product. Um, we used it all season, never had a problem, never broke it. So definitely check out that new that new release hook. Um, from LT, um, or if you want to see any of Chris's products, visit ltmarineproducts.com. Please make sure you use the promo code CBROS for 10% off your next order. We paused this episode for a quick announcement for one of our good friends um, and fellow charter captains, Jesse Martello. Uh, Jesse's son, Jesse Jr., uh, was recently diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia called T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And while the outlook for Jesse is optimistic, the battle is just beginning. Um, the doctor's initial prognosis indicates that Jesse Jr. is in for a fight that could last three years with chemotherapy and many hospital ver- visits 
during what should be the prime years of his youth. And um, Jesse's an avid fisherman. He mates regularly for his dad um, in their charter business, Think Big Charters, aboard their, aboard their boat, Necessary Expense. They fish from Connecticut um, to the Northeast Canyons. Uh, they tuna fish. They're, they're a part of um, our community, and, and they're great people. Um, Jesse Jr. also enjoys playing soccer, basketball, lacrosse. He races go-karts. Um, he skis. He snowmobiles. It's it's really sad that he has to deal with this um, at this point in his life. But we're here to support Jesse, and we're hoping that um, you all can take a moment and, and help support him as well. Uh, right now, Jesse's family faces uncertainty with medical costs and other financial burdens associated with treating this disease. And to help ease the burden, there's been a website that's been set up to help facilitate fundraising efforts and help aid Jesse Jr.'s family and the entire Martello family with expenses that they're going to face during this battle. So if you take a moment and visit thinkbigjesse.com, that's thinkbigjesse.com, starting on February 15th, there's going to be a series of raffles and auctions for some some really great um, items and some charters, um, pen and real easy custom rods. They're donating reels, rods, There's many other sponsors and supporters on there, um, many of which have sponsored and supported the podcast as well. And um, we just hope you take a moment to, to go on the website and support and support a great cause for a great kid. So again, visit thinkbigjesse.com and uh, and feel free to donate and participate in any of the the raffles and the um, the silent auctions. So we were talking about Galvin had his pants halfway oh, so, up his ankles. So <laughs> this is a good Johnny Galvin story. So yeah, just to recap, um, uh, we were fishing out east of the bank. It was like I don't know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine era, and uh, we were kite fishing and we were um, fishing a live pogie and the fish. So Johnny was like, yeah, I got to go down to use the bathroom. I'll be back, whatever. And we hook up. And so everybody's scrambling. And I'm like, where the fuck's Galvin? Oh, yeah, he's down on the head. So I'm like stamping my foot. I'm like, Johnny. So, I, I mean, Johnny comes flying around the corner, like literally like a fireman. Like he's he's like, <laughs> like he just flew down the pole and he's fucking running to save lives. And he's got his grunnings like around his ankles. His pants are probably like on his knees. And he's literally like just, you can imagine like a hairy Chewbacca <laughs> running by you with like with Grundens, with Grundens around his ankles. Like literally was on the rod in, in probably three seconds. And again, that's another thing I wish I had on film. Um, he's like, he's like, he's like nudging charter clients out of the way. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, but that's yeah. Amazing. But th- those were good times back then when those fish were out east. Oh, it really was. Bank. Um technical question now, now we're on the live bait bluefin track here yeah um you're talking a, a lot about this at the seminar in march you know reading through the the set list um and schedule how often are you bridling baits when you're fishing pogies and bluefish always uh 50 of the time 50 percent. so so when we're kite fishing i usually just put the hook right in the meat but uh, when we're like drifting like a live bay, we always bridle, especially pogies. Um, I find, I mean, I know guys, some guys don't and they swear by it. I just think it's a better presentation. 
the bridle. It allows the bait to just swim more naturally, especially in a, in a drift, like, yeah. like a high drift situation. Because, you know, you're, you're, the pulling pressures on a bridle is at the front, almost like off the edge of, of the nose. Whereas if you hook out, you know, in the shoulders, you, you know, the fish, after a while, the fish gets, the bait gets tired. It's going to end up spinning or pulling sideways or, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, whereas a bridle, even if the bait's exhausted, because let's face it after, you know, a pogey can only, I mean, pogies are like Fort Knox. They're strong, you know, little fish, but uh, I feel like after a while, you know, they get tired. And then that's when they, the, the presentation starts to, you they know, start to kind of lay on their side sides. eventually. Yeah. They do. Yeah. You know, they do. I think that's tough to get a bite when they're on their side. Yeah. Very tough to get a bite. I feel like the fish know it, you know, they, they can sense something's up. Um, but anyways, yeah, we like to bridle uh, pogies and especially whiting too, you know, herring. Um, it, it depends, you know, I, I, I've caught pl- just as many fish not bridling herring. I don't know what you guys... I mean, I know you guys we fish hook, herring all the yeah, time. Yeah, we hook herring. Hook we herring. never yeah. bridle them. Yeah. Even, like, we just won't fish them in super high current situations. You yeah, know, we'll peak tide or whatever else. We'll, we'll just fish a mackerel until the tide slows down and save our herring for prime time. But we never bridle them. And, and for us, it's, it's more of a hiding the hook thing, I think. Yeah. You know, it's so soft, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I've always wanted to troll a herring, like a dead herring. I would love yeah. to, you know, because they they you know when you you know, you notice how when you're reeling them in, if they are dead, they're always wagging. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, yep. and it's like put a little egg sinker in there. And have you yeah. tried it? Have you have you ever tried rigging one? I I have. I've screwed around with it. I would have never done. I've never like committed to it though. Yeah, you know, I've always been like a. Imagine that on a planer. That's going what I was slow. just gonna say. The only thing I I wonder is 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 how it would hold up after like. 15 or 20 minutes, you right. know, like, like a Mac, you can brine the shit out of it and, you know, kosher salt it and, and they'll last for hours where a, a herring, I don't know. I, I, uh, you know, when I first got the idea, I was fishing the canal, uh, back, you know, when I was a kid and, uh, with live herring and, you know, my herring was like, was pretty much dead at this point. I remember reeling it in against the current. The thing was just like beautifully swimming, yeah. you know, on its side, but just like wagging away. And I'm like, oh my God, that thing looks heavenly. Yeah. You know, that's what gave me the idea. I think I ate a piece, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to try that next year. Yeah. For it's something sure. I've always wanted to try. Just I mean, I know guys are caught them on mullet, you know, and that's Those things older. are just so hardy though. That's what I mean. Like, like I mean, it looks skin. so mullet. You mean the mullet? Yeah. so close oh, yeah. to a herring. It's like, why wouldn't they eat mullet? So I've regularly? tried mullet. I've tried mullet out there a lot. I yeah. back in the BB buoy days when we used to fish out at Chatham all the time. I I've used to troll mullet. I I know Frank Pitton got a fish on a mullet with Ed Lavelle. Yeah. back in the day. Um, I, I I've tried them and uh, they used to call it like a Nova Scotia rig. It was like a daisy chain of mullet with like a swimmer at the end with an egg sinker. I, I just never got bites on it. Um, I fish mullet at the canyons. I mean, they swim awesome. I mean, yeah. we, I've had them in the wash and I'm like, how can that not get eaten? But the fish would rather come up and eat a stupid cedar plug. Or a value, which like or a isn't that much different looking from the bottom, you know? I know. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe it's weird. Maybe just because we don't have mullet up here. Although I will say, one time I was with Galvin and we were, it was before we were doing a Georgia's trip and we were in Falmouth Harbor fueling up and there was a giant school of mullet in Falmouth Harbor. It's and, strange. And Johnny and I, neither of us really knew how to throw a cast net 
And so we were like, so he was like standing on one part of the dock. I was standing on the other and we did the two man cast. Literally like it was, it was bad. And we like, we were like one, two. And like the thing landed like right in the middle of the school. And we could have caught probably 500 and we ended up with like 20. Yeah. But they went right in the live well. That's Brought awesome. them to George's. Didn't get a bite on them. But That's awesome. It's nice, to, nice to have mullet in the live well though. Yeah, I was so cool. excited. It's like holy shit! Yeah, like we're gonna see more and more weird, weird stuff. species of fish year after year. Yeah, every year we get like more tropical fish. Rudder was it like rudder fish we had under the boat mm-hmm. a lot on the bank this year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Black and white. Yeah. The black and white ones you're talking about. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, little different species of jacks we've had in the harbor. Trying to do what you're saying, like holding the cast net between two finger piers. And like yeah, they, it looked like <laughs> it's like on a top of them. mix between. John, where's John Boonar when you need <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It. It's like a mix between a jack and a smelt. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. No, definitely starting to see some different species in our waters. People are catching sure. like cobia. Um, Spanish mackerel. Spanish max. Tons of Spanish max this year. Mm-hmm. In Buzzards Bay, they were like a shitload. Yeah. One of those on the planer, man. Small one of those That's things. a great skip bait yeah that's one of my favorite baits to put on like a teaser in fact johnny galvin's going to be doing a uh a rigging workshop at at the uh, seminar this year on like rigging spanish and like how to you know add natural bait to a nice. to a daisy chain that's cool because that makes a huge difference those fish come up on that and if there's like a piece of actual you know real meat in there they'll follow that thing and, and stay on it and chew on it for you know whatever however long it takes mm-hmm. you know let's talk more about the seminar yeah that's a good transition. We have a couple topics um, that we're looking forward to listening to while we're there. Um, so it's March 5th and 6th. Yep, March 5th and 6th. If, if anyone doesn't have tickets, they can get them online uh, at the seminar website, which is castafari.com forward slash fishing hyphen seminar. Or you can just go to castafari.com and just click on the left. You just click fishing seminar. So you have two main rooms this year, which is different from years past no same same thing same, same thing. thing we we have so one main room uh which is like a which is like the double screen ballroom with two projectors and, and one podium and then we have a another room that holds about 150 people that has a stage and a got it a screen as well nice. um so yeah the big rooms for like the topics that we think you know are going to pull maybe 200 plus people yeah right you know yeah um yeah, what do you guys think? What do you what do you like for topics? Um, I'm excited to hear Archie Joe's talk. Me too. Me too. Me too. Honestly, he's yep. a legend. He's I, a. Le- I, I haven't met him yet. I, I've, we've exchanged a few words online, and he seems like a great guy. But I'm really excited to meet Archie. Arch Archie's like the godfather of of uh, of tuna fishing. You yeah. know, he's he's been around, and, and not just tuna, swordfish, everything. He has he is is one of the few people I know who have actually seen this fishery completely evolve. I've seen it evolve. Archie's seen it completely evolve. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's you know he he's fished days when it was cloth line. There was no monofilament. You know that's and, and my great uncle was like that. You know he was a big uh, saltwater big game guy. Um, but yeah, no, Archie's going to kind of talk about the evolution of how things have changed and progressed and, and what tricks are, you know, still around today that were around 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, there, there's definitely stuff that, that, you know, can be applied back, you know, that was around back then to now. That's what I'm excited to hear. Some of the old, old school stuff, you know, just bring it back to baseline. 
Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that he's seen that he's probably forgotten. <laughs> he's forgotten I'm, more than, than has evolved in the last 10 years, you know? Oh, yeah. But you know what? I mean, I talk to him uh, pretty regularly lately just to get ready for the seminar. And, and uh, you know, he, he's a world-class guy, like a really sweet guy. You know, he kind of give you the shirt off his back kind of guy. Um, and he loves to tell stories because he, you know, he has stories. I mean, you think about it, you know, the guy pretty much lived on the water for, you know, 50 years. Mm. And uh, I, I would love to get him in a room and just, you know, take notes and, and, and actually write one of his stories. Yeah. You know, like Linda Greenlaw did that, you know, she incorporated a bunch of Archie's stories in, in her books, you That's know, so and there's, cool. there's some really cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's, He's got some crazy stories, but, um, but yeah, he's going to, uh, he'll be there and, uh, I'm hoping to get him in the, in the rigging workshops too. You know, I, I told him about him and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'll go hang out. I'm sure he'll get his rigs dirty. Rig some cool swordfish baits. Yeah. Be yeah. awesome. He taught Tommy a lot. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Tommy learned a lot from Archie. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to, uh, I mean, you're traveling soon, but you've fished a lot of different places. I'm excited to hear about you and Jack talk about, you know, fishing globally, basically hot yeah. spots and all that. I think yeah, that'll that be a really a good one. topic. That should be a fun one. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm not sure what Jack's going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about the Galapagos, uh, Panama, Colombia, Mexico. And I, th I think that's it. Those four, um, I feel like there was a fifth one. I can't think of it offhand. But Columbia, I've never been to. I'm going uh, next week. Actually, this week. What am I thinking? I'm leaving Wednesday. Um, so that'll be interesting. Where I'm going is is uh, basically just south of where I was in Panama. Uh, it's like 50 miles south of where we where the Tropic Star Lodge is. Gotcha. And I was fishing like a little north of Tropic Star. So it's it's generally the same you know area. Um, it's just that Columbia is, is, isn't overfished. Like Panama, I feel like is gotten hammered by long lining, uh, you know, and, and commercial fishing, a lot of the, uh, you know, long lines and, and even like the commercial boats that are, um, that are, you know, doing like buoy fishing and stuff out on the shoals, like, you know, out on, uh, um, Hannibal bank area, you know, it, there's still plenty of fish there, but there's definitely a lot more pressure yeah. than there used mm. to be. But Columbia, from what I hear, is is kind of untouched. So how did you how did you pick Columbia? You have a friend there, or just decided? just a, a buddy of mine uh, who I'm going with. My buddy Scott um, called me up one day. He's like, "Check this out." And it was a, it's a lodge called Fish Columbia, and uh, I started talking to the guy um, Alberto, who who owns the lodge, and he's a really nice guy. He speaks good English. Um, and uh, he has a partner, this guy, Simon. They both speak good English, which is nice because the language barrier is always tough. Yeah. Especially like like when I was fishing the Galapagos, you know, those guys couldn't speak a word of English. And it was like it was like charades because I can't speak <laughs> Spanish, which is kind of pathetic. Because I've been, I've been fishing in Central America for like 25 years and, and I can't speak Spanish. It's like stupid. And so, I, you know, I've been going online and learning like, you know, like – like Donde, like where, and, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, chucha, <laughs> and like all the swear words. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's cool. But no, it should be good, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you basically fly into, uh, Medellin and then take a prop plane, uh, to the, I forget the town over on the Pacific. It's basically the Northwest, you know, Pacific side of Columbia. 
and then we're basically in the jungle, like the lodges in the jungle, and they have tarpon there. They have big That's tarpon sick. in the jungle, um, and I, I was, you know, they have big snook too. And all these fish came through the canal. How crazy is that? That is wild. That, that whole population of tarpon and snook that they have in in the Pacific, uh, it was basically man-made. You know, wow. they, they swam through the ditch, and there's some big snook. They get they get like thirty pounders. So we'll be doing a little of that. And and maybe some tarpon fishing. It's really not uh, in the you know it's not in prime time for tarpon. I guess they're offshore down the beach a little ways, most of them. But uh, yeah, that'd be. I mean, I'd love to catch a tarpon out there. That's cool. What do you What do you look for in a d- destination fishing trip? Like, what gets you jazzed up to go somewhere to fish? I'll be honest. Lately, I've been into the uh, the the casting. You know, a tuna game. I love popping for tuna. You know, jigging form's fun too, but it's it's not the same. You know, just to see those strikes, the top water action, and just to feel the the power and the energy of just getting, you know, destroyed by a big yellowfin, by a big tuna on the surface. There's something about that that you can't, it's hard to put into words, but there's just, I, I love that game. And I'm still learning. I'm still finding my way, even though I've been doing it for years. I feel like technology is just racing in that direction, you know, mm. the, the the gear that's out there. Like Jack's going to have a talk at the seminar about, you know, the modern advances to like the jigging and popping game and like what's out there now for tools for us to use. You know, like the you know, Shimano's been really cutting edge with, with their rods. You know, they have this grappler rod now that I use down in Mexico that the things like Fort Knox and it's still got good action. You know, you can cast a plug a mile and. So yeah, I, I I do like that top water game. That's probably my favorite. Even over blue marlin fishing. Wow. You know, traveling. Yeah. Traveling. Yeah. Um and, and you know, guys do the casting game up in the canyons now. I mean, you it's you can't really do it from my boat, although I've I've run into the bow a couple of times. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie, but uh it's like a skating rink up there, man. Yeah. It's hairy. Um but no, it's uh, it's just the casting game in general has, uh, I think about how long, you know, how that's evolved. I mean, back, I remember, you know, fishing the bank when I was just, when I had just moved from Green Harbor to the Cape, this was like early 2000s. It was like the beginning of that whole era. If you guys remember, because you were fishing with your dad, it was like all these fish on top eating like sand deals and like people started mm-hmm. casting. And then the you know, next thing you know, you hear, you saw a story online about a guy who hooked one on a, on a, on a Hopkins and, and got right. spooled, yeah. and, right. you know, and next thing you know, every other people were trying it and, and it's like, and then the tackle industry was like, holy shit, like we're onto something here. Yep. Yeah. Now it's evolved to guys getting 500 pounders on spinning gear yeah. in an hour. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. wild. It's I'm crazy. all set though. Yeah, I'm still all set with that. You know, <laughs> I don't even like catching 15 pound blackfin on spinning rods. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, it, there's a, there's a, there's a certain kind of like, I think the perfect size for a spinner rod is like, you know, 100 pounds. I, I've always wanted to catch a cow, a super cow. I, I caught a fish in Mexico on a long range boat. And it's tough fishing from the long range boats because they don't move. The boats don't move around. It's mm-hmm. like you hook a fish and everyone there is like, good luck. Like we're not, we're not, I'm not pulling in my lines. And, you know, we got 10 kite baits and balloons and everything else. So I, I did get a big yellowfin like a few years ago. I got a 180 pound fish, which was just got really lucky. It was like the first cast too. We were drifting through a surface feed and the, the fish had gone down and the captain was like, if you hook that fish, you know, if you hook a fish, man, you got to go to the bow and that's it. You're staying up. Like, okay. <laughs> sure enough. Boom. It was a pretty epic hit. But anyways, I hooked another one that Mexican trip I did uh, to Puerto Vallarta after I did a podcast with you guys. I hooked a monster. 
like a 300 pounder. And we all saw it. Like Larry was sitting next to me and George. We were all just like, actually, was the, the chef was like, time to eat, everybody. And I was like, literally like one more cast, famous last words. And I casted and it was like two pops in and then this friggin' super cow comes up. Oh, man. And just crushes the popper. And I was like, I, I remember being like, fuck. <laughs> and the reason why I was like fuck is because I'm gonna I was like I'm gonna lose my favorite popper. It was like this favorite popper again, another again, another superstitious like thing that had been through so many battles with me. I had taken it like to five different like places around the world and caught like, you know, a ridiculous amount of tuna on this thing, changed hooks probably twenty times. Wow. This popper was like just annihilated. What kind of popper is it? It was a strategic angler. It wasn't even like a high end popper. Yeah. And uh but man, those things have great action and, and they're reasonable. They're like, so it was like $25 plug. Long story short though, I hooked this fish and, uh, and the, and, and, uh, the captain was like, um, uh, right behind me, Roberto was like, he's like, you know, he's like, go to the bar, you know? And, and, and I heard them all screaming like, you know, nervous Spanish. And the next thing you know, I see these, I see all the kites and balloons like starting to move. And I'm like, holy shit, we're in gear. Because I, I was getting dumped. Like the fish hit and it took a wicked run. And I was getting spooled. Captain saw that and he was like, let's go. And boom, next thing you know, we're in gear. And now I'm in this like, you know, 62 foot, you know, it was no tuna, no chinga. 62 foot delta. And like we're going by this long range boat on our right. I think it was the XL. And you could see the guys all like... <laughs> What the fuck? Guy in the bow. And there's like balloons, kites bobbing, <laughs> slamming into each other, like behind. And there's a guy on the bow, like. <laughs> and all I was doing was getting slack line, like thinking I was going to get back in the game, right? And then we get straight up and down on this fish, and I and, and I'd be like, all right, neutral. Again, it would have been nice to know Spanish. It was like hand signals. It's like I was in driving school. <laughs> so like, I I get over the freaking fish and like. And, 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 and it was like the fish would feel like one bit of pressure and it was just, the head shakes were just like, like massive, violent, like, and then just, and it would just dump the reel again. And it, we chased down the fish for another like five minutes and I'd be doing this. And we did this for an hour and a half and I would finally get straight up and down on the fish and Larry's chirping in my ear. He's like, you're never going to catch that fish, David. You're never going to catch <laughs> that fish. That's a good fish. Larry impression. I mean, literally. Exactly <laughs> like Larry. I, I literally, he's just like, why don't you just, just give it up? Or dinner's getting cold. Like, literally. This is what I had to do. So not only did I have like my lower back feeling like it was going to explode and my body was creaking like a barn door, I had Larry chirping in my ear like, you're not going to get the fish. And, and I, I, I was straight up and down on the thing for like, I don't know, 15 minutes and I thought maybe I was going to get like an inch at a time. I feel you, but it was so hard to gain line. It was almost like a dead still, like the, the sheer weight of the fish had bottomed out. I was using a, a Shimano Osea, which is an awesome two piece casting rod. Um, but just a little outmatched for, you know, a 300 pound yellowfin. But anyways, long story short, I put a, I put an exorbitant amount of heat on it and I broke the braid. I had 80 pound, you know, suffix braid, which probably breaks at like 110. Yeah. And, you know, I broke the braid probably like 50 feet down and the fish was probably like, you know, 200 feet down. Wow. So, you know, it is what it is. It was heartbreaking, but part of me was relieved. You know, I was like, all right, well, that was fun. You know, yeah, yeah, got yeah. the bite, whatever. But I would love to catch. And they've done it. They've had guys on that same boat on No Tuna, No Chinga. I, I feel like they got excited by that and they started bringing a panga. 
And we did that this past oh, year. That's badass. Dude, get on that thing. Like get on that ride. thing. And, and that's what you need. You need to yeah. be on the ponga to do it. And, and they towed the ponga out and they had and a guy got a big fish. It was like a 305 on a popper. Wow. And I was so jealous. I was like, ah, I wanted to be that guy. You know? <laughs> and, and I think there's been probably several people who have done it. You know, not a lot. I mean, it's not a easy, a yellowfin. And the thing is, you know, I know these big bluefin up here are, are mean and nasty, but like a three and a pound yellowfin and a three and a pound bluefin, it's just like two different animals. Mm. You know, like the the, the yellowfin are just so friggin' strong. And that's the other thing. They're super old. Like that three and a pound yellowfin's been around. It's not a, you know, it's it's a smart fish that it's probably, I'm guessing it's been around for 20 years. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, That's anyways, wild. Not to get off on a tangent. No, but we love tangents. tangents. We yeah, love um, tangents. Um, That's awesome though. So yeah, I mean... If, as far as seminar topics, those are really the two that we were eyeballing for sure. Yeah. No, it should be a good show. You know, we have a lot of stuff that we've done in the past, and but then we got some, you know, a lot of new stuff. I think the the deep dropping, but keeping it IGFA, uh, Tommy and Mark DeCabia, both are going to talk about it. I think that's going to be a good one because a lot of guys are getting tuna down deep down, during the day too. Yeah. You know, we've caught several big guy. Uh, when I was fishing with Anders on charters, we've caught, you know, fish that we thought were swordfish right up until the end. Wow. And ended up being big eye. I think that's happened like five or six times. And I know we're not the only ones. I know a lot of guys are. I mean, I know Larry's caught fish, um, you know, daytiming as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Mark actually has done it like targeting tuna. So Mark's going to kind of talk about like focusing on, you know, tuna fish, especially when like the daytime bite you know, dies and maybe you're not interested in catching billfish uh, or you're marking fish down deep at five, six, seven, eight hundred feet. You know, this is a whole new kind of thing, how to target them. Yeah. You know, so that should be a good talk. They're going to be doing that in the main room. Um, and then we, and then we're going to talk about bridling baits. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried Ray Rocher's uh, bridling kits, the R&R tackle ones. They're like, a, they're plastic needles, but they're these little elastic bands. So instead of using floss, you just pop the band through and kind of like what we do with a bluefish, like, you know, put the band through the eye socket and put the hook in between both loops and right. twist it. And, you know, raised stuff that was for little small, you know, stuff like pogies and, and herring. And yeah. it actually would work great on a herring. I haven't tried it on a herring yet, but um, so we'll have a workshop for that. So, you know, we get a bunch of new stuff too. We try to keep it fresh. Even some of the, you know, the, the repeat topics things evolve so much year to year and, yeah. and you start to get better statistics on things too. Yep. Um, but yeah. All right. All right. We back. Where were we? Uh, we were still seminar talking. So the, the, uh, so yeah, we got some good topics on this, this, this year's event. Um, you know, snooter, the snooter device, how to, how to build to one, that. how to, how, yeah, or just, you know, you're better off just buying it. But, um, my buddy, Aaron Briggs actually makes them. He designed this one f- that we use and it works great. It's basically a, a lasso device that you just put on the bill of the fish and cinch down. And now you have a gaff without the hook and you're just controlling the fish's bill. And it's nice because you can control that forward momentum, mm-hmm. right? you know, which, really helps i think it would work too with swordfish just on the releases yeah. you can keep them upright more upright with it as well and yeah and like you were saying with that big blue marlin story 
the thing is so wide, it's so hard to hold the dorsal and keep the fish upright with the snooter. Right. You have a lot snooter, more Snooter, now control. you have a reach. Exactly. You know, and, and we, you know, I got a teak transom, so it's like, <laughs> teak transom <laughs> in the equation. I've heard, you've heard I've stories. I've heard, watch the transom on your videos yeah. hundreds and hundreds, the and hundreds of times. Yeah. I think, I think like my mates have nightmares. <laughs> they wake up in a cold sweat line. It's all the transom, transom. I heard David yelling at me about the transom again. Yeah. No, That's all. Yeah, because one little nick is like a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's brutal. I'm actually wow. clear coating the transom this year. I'm having a, a guy come down and, and do it, put the all all care on it. It's just you can never be too careful, and not just heat transom. Any any boat, any fiberglass, whatever paint. You know, a swordfish bill. They're even worse than marlin. Like all it takes is one little swipe, just one little brush, and now you got a huge gouge. Mm-hmm. I mean, those wow. things are super sharp. Yeah. What about tournaments? Just doing the single tournament this year. Uh, so we're gonna fish the we're gonna fish the tri-state, yep. and we'll fish the big game battle. I couldn't fish it last year because I uh, I do a family outing in Block Island every year, and we rent a house, and they had changed their dates last year. Um, so we so we had to sit that one out, but that's a fun event. You know, it's more like we just you know do it for fun and, and uh, catch up with everybody, and then um, and then my tournament. Uh, I wish I could fish my tournament. This year, my tournament, the Oak Bluffs Blue Water Classic, is uh, partnering up with the SFC, which um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's a, um, it's kind of like a PGA tour of sport fishing tournaments. There's 12 events, and I think they um, they start sometime in like early summer. It might even be late May. Um, and it's basically events that run from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to I'm the furthest north event um and they're they're trying to start an event in uh montauk and then the tri-state's going to be involved i don't think this year because the dates don't line up because they so what they're doing is in a nutshell they're going to be filming uh all of the events and it's going to be broadcasted live on cbs every saturday morning at i think 11 a.m there's going to be a two-hour broadcast um of each event and so there'll be a whole series. So the show is going to basically be kind of like, I don't know if you guys have seen the Bassmasters, I'm yeah. sure you have on ESPN. Right. They're using that studio. So they're they're kind of taking that template and applying it to to saltwater fishing. Um, so they're, they're trying to boil down. I mean, it's a big project. They're trying to boil down a four-day tournament into a two-hour, you know, football game, wow. if you will. So they're going to have pre-production and studios. They're going to have live feeds from – they have technology now to, to take live feeds from like a boat's satellite antenna they have these antennas that are going to they're going to install on a on a, on a few nice. boats in each tournament and get live feeds so so you know rob carmichael could be out at uh on his boat at, at hydrographer canyon and be broadcasting live into the show into the studio that's going to be down in florida so they'll have a lot of on-site filming um so it should be exciting it's going to be a it's going to hopefully take the event to another level um, hopefully get some, you know, some outside participation, maybe get some boats in from that wouldn't normally fish this event mm-hmm. coming in from out of town. Um, the, you know, there's a $2 million prize. I mean, it's no joke. It's, uh, and, and that's just for the, you know, most bill fish points. Then there's like, you know, all kinds of, uh, side bets. And again, there's no Calcutta's. It's just, it doesn't cost boats anything to, to enter either. Hmm. It's all from, you know, their own, you know, in, in-house, you know, investments and, and investors and, and companies that are involved. Um, so they're, they're basically trying to get people to say, you know, yeah, we'll do it. We'll fish and, and, 
I guess you got to fish a minimum of three out of the 12 events is how it works. Gotcha. So, you know, I'm hoping that we get guys, you know, from, from the South to come up and fish, but, um, but it's nice that, that, you know, the tri-state will be involved next year. And then they're trying to get this Montauk tournament off the ground. So at least there's, there's a, you know, a Northeast division, if you will. Right. You know? So yeah, I'm excited to see how this pans out. That'll be cool. That will be cool. Yeah. Different. Yeah, it is very different. And, uh, you know, it's it's um, one of those things that I, I feel like if they weren't going to do it, somebody was going to do this. Yeah, Especially, right. it's just amazing what you can do now with technology. Even to just do these podcasts, it's awesome. And it, and you know, you can, uh, you know, I can take my guitar and record a song in my living room on my cell phone. Just all the crap you can it, do now. It's nuts. Yeah, nuts. it really is. So to get like satellite feeds from a uh, from a boat, you know, and get high quality video via satellite live to live TV is pretty insane that's gonna be awesome that's gonna add a whole other dynamic to that yeah yeah hopefully they can make it happen you know that'll be cool yep that'll be cool so but yeah they'll be coming to the seminar i think and they'll they're gonna you know talk to some people answer some questions um but yeah i can't believe that event's an, a month away it's nuts yeah but people are must be frothing for the seminar considering we weren't able to have really anything in person for the last year and a half yeah we i mean we have a lot of ticket holders from 2020 who stayed in the game and uh you know saved some money whatever so i'm hoping that uh and then there's a lot of people on the sidelines that are you know because of covid they're watching to see what the curve does um i haven't even looked to be honest with you but i think it's headed in the right direction yeah seems to be yeah and if you have to pivot you pivot. I mean, you did it before and everyone seemed to like the, you know, the remote stuff as well. And yeah, the remote stuff did okay. You, I mean, yeah. you guys did a great job, um, on that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, the, re- the remote stuff was a little pain in the ass, but, um, but yeah, we'll do whatever we got to do. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to completely change topics for the end of, end of this thing here. Cause I've been staring at this bottle of Patro- empty bottle i drank patrol. it on the way in yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. my way out of jail was going to be like yes officer no this was not a, this isn't an empty container that, like from recent consumption there's a there's a piece of fluorocarbon in the yeah. middle there See there, there wasn't a worm there was a piece of flora uh, yeah, exactly. Bottle, bottle. exactly so what's what's that all about so this is uh from a, a trip i did back in like i feel like it was like 2010 or 11 it was the first year george's bank um, and, and this is interesting, like talk about the bluefin fishery evolving. People were running in a lot of people, not just me. People were running 150 miles to catch a bluefin tuna back in 2010. Now the fishing was great out there. It was awesome. I mean, out of the hand, you know, three fish a day, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you could, ca- you could catch 11 fish if you wanted to. That's how good it was. And so we were out there with, with another fleet of, you know, again, probably 60 boats are probably out there during this time frame. So I did a trip to George's, um, did a bunch, and I did one. Uh, you know what? It was in 2011. It was the year. The first year was great. The second year was good, not like the first year. Um, but we did a trip, um, you know, there were fish locally. And I remember I was in the Bay. I had, I had my friend, uh, Eric Budenhagen, call him Buddha. He's, he's a client of mine that, that has become good friends. Uh, we've become really good friends over the years. It was him and this other guy, Mike Story. I had Maddie Smalley as my mate and I think it was just Maddie. And then it was myself. So it was a small group. We were in the Bay and we were actually fishing on the numbers that we were talking about, uh, 
earlier mm-hmm. where, where I had one, I had Billy and we were fishing out there in the mud and we had this spot. I don't know what the hell, it, why the fish were always there. Probably like you said, they were going through. Long story short though, it was dead. We fished there all day. And then I started getting texts and Willie Hatch texted me. He was on his way in with three and he's like, it's on fire. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh. I look at the weather the weather did not look great. It was like picking up northeast like the following afternoon so i was like if we leave now (laughs) we can we could catch you know three fish and then be on our way yeah so anyways i rush into p-town harbor i get a fuel truck to come down it was like you know eight o'clock at night and uh we fuel up and off we go we get to you know george's in the dark and uh you know, there was a fleet, a small fleet. It was like a skeleton fleet of like all all commercial guys. I was the only, you know, idiot sporty out there, you know. And and, and uh, so anyways, we're out there and, and uh, we, you know, we put our lines in. It was way eastern part of the bank. So I don't know if you guys ever fished George's. It's like right near the Hague line. I know exactly spot. what you're talking about. I have, we have not been there though. It's, it's, yeah, it's in the middle. It's like you go through like, honestly, on the way out. It, unless you're going in the dark, you don't really see it. But on the way out, during the, if you're, you know, if there's daylight around, you go through like four different weather systems. I feel like you're in like you go through different dimensions. That's how far away it is. The water changes, you know, flat calm ocean for like three hours, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're in like four to sixes, and then it's calm again, and then you know the sky changes. I mean, it's 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 a it's literally I think it's 135 miles from P-town. So we we get out there and and. Um, uh, and we start fishing, um, and uh, the, the the wind starts to pick up a little bit. I remember we hooked this fish, and we had to back through like I, I, it was like three boats were in in tight because the, the people were marking bait or whatever. And so we had to I had to have these guys move out of my way, which they weren't happy about. We're backing down, and then I look at my chart plotter if that wasn't bad enough because you know how stressful it is when you have to have people move and you're you're, oh, yeah. hope, hope, you're like hoping they'll move for one, and then two, you know, and then these guys like move like five feet, you know, <laughs> and it was literally like, we could have been like, hello, without even screaming, <laughs> you know, could have handed them a coffee. That's funny. So, so we drive by, you know, we're backing down and then I start looking at my chart plotter and I start zooming in because we're right on the friggin' line and right on the Hague line. And I zoom in, I zoom in, I zoom in so far in that you start to see like those like the, the little speck things yes. on the chart. I don't know what <laughs> the you birds, call the, the birds, the little bird, the little thing. bird. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the birds and, and, and I saw my track line and then I saw the Hague line, which was now just like a dotted line. And we were like, I don't know, a hundred yards. Well, the fish was definitely over the Hague line. There's no question about it. And you hear these stories about like, you know, Linda Greenlaw ends up in jail and so-and-so got fined because yep. they do it. They have the jets come out and they get your numbers and whatever. So I was like, you know, right, right away, I'm like, and I brought a screenshot of it just to show you guys. I don't know if it'll it'll transmit through the uh, the video, but anyway, yeah, we were right on the Hague line and we fought this fish. And I remember like I had to stop the boat. I was like, all right, we're not backing down anymore. And because the fish just took one of those runs, it was one of those fish stayed on the on the surface, yep. just yeah. never went down. I hit those fucking fish like stayed up high. So I, I take it out of gear, you know, we, we, we goose the drag a little bit because it wasn't really at that point. It was kind of slowing down anyway. And we finally get the fish to like 
to sound, but that fish was in Canada. There's no question about it. Fish was in Canadian waters. We were in the United States waters, and we're right on the Hague line, and it was just so funny because we, we never crossed. You can look at the track line, and it's like a little etch-a-sketch loop, and like it goes right up to, right up to the line. <laughs> it might even kiss the line, and just like, like a tennis ball stays in, though, and then goes, and then goes out. Uh, I mean, you had your foot in bounds. You had the foot in bounds. Had the foot in bounds. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so it was like it was literally like yeah. I was going to be like if 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 the Coast Guard gave me shit, I was going to be like John McEnroe. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing my fishing rod. So, anyways, we we uh, we we end up catching the fish, um, which was a great story. But uh, Buddha brought a bottle of Patron, and. and 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 the and the other thing was the fish when it came boatside was was nasty. It wasn't a huge fish; it was like a six fifty class fish. But we could not get it in range to throw the the dart. It just was one of those stubborn fish that would circle, come up behind the boat about you know whatever fifty feet away, show its colors. I mean, you could see the fish like a it was literally like a barn door, and then it would sound and go too far down. Yep. And it would come up. And I, I said, Maddie, you're going to have to do it, man. And, and Maddie freaking did this, like, Greek javelin, like, <laughs> launch of the poon. It was literally like one 1,000. You know, it, it literally, yeah, it was an awesome shot. And uh, but and we ended up catching the fish. So we celebrated and we, we all t- hit the Patron. Of course, I was driving. I didn't touch it. Um, but we put the piece of fluorocarbon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that's what a that great is. idea. Nice. But yeah, let me, I'll show you the pic. I don't know if it'll come out or not, but it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I texted my buddy Mike, and I was like, do you have that pic from 15 years ago? <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, let's see. So, yeah. He even, he even sent like, right the, after this camera here. I'll see if I can. I don't know if that. Oh, yeah, keep going a little further. Yeah. Wow. I need to see that. that. It's just like right there, right on the line. Wow, dude. That's sick. So that was, uh, I'm glad we don't have to do That's those rounds anymore. Right, though. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy when you think about it though. Like, and it was just, it was the regular thing to do. Like if right. you wanted to catch a giant tuna and you, you know, your, your odds were better if you ran, you know, seven hours, yeah. actually seven hours for us. It was probably like some guys were running out there at 13 knots yeah. from Gloucester. 10, 12 knots. Ugh. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, you, you, you know, you could catch a fish off the beach. Yeah. Yep. The way the pogies have been and stuff, it's pretty wild where we've been catching them. Yeah. You know. Are you guys seeing those pogies early season still? Those big giants? We are. are. Yeah. You know, Last year it wasn't quite as crazy. We had a weird, it was nuts for a couple of days. And then we had a weird weather system come through in like early July. I want to say it was that was last year when 4th of July was really overcast and rainy. Like third, I don't third, fourth of July. But I know what you're talking about. It was like the next day the pogies were, we're gone. We're all gone. Sure. Like we had them. Like they eventually worked their way up off situate, and it was like here we go. And then we had a big system yeah. come through and change everything. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, we have been seeing them. Back to your spinning rod, three hundred pounder story. We did that with a tuna fish in twenty feet of water off Hummerock Beach with a pogie. With yeah. a pogie, bass snagged. Fish. Yeah, snagged the pogie enough. Like you were bat, you were bass fishing. Yeah. We were kind of bass. Fishing. We had one thirties out because we saw tuna in the school, and then a school of bass came in, and my wife was there, so we cast them, and she got like a thirty pound bass, and we we're like, oh, let's just catch another one. We yeah. casted, hooked the pogie, and 
and, and the, thing got blasted. the thing got blasted by like a 500 pounder and we chased it all oh. the way out from from 18 feet of water we got out to about 80 feet so we chased them for through bow bow riders like everyone that was just hanging around the yeah he's all of a sudden we're all going the lobster traps forward. like you know oh, how many lobster oh, traps are in there? Yeah. It's like all that gear. We got field all of it. Didn't get tangled. It was on like wow. a 5,000, five or 6,000 size spinning reel with like an ugly stick, like medium fast yeah. action spinning rod. We oh. had them on for a good half hour, 40 minutes. And then the reel seized. Oh. And then we were actually, not that it was going to work, but we actually were able to make the transfer cut and splice to a 130. With really? forty pound leader, and then we like came tight in the one thirty, and like running down fast forward as far as we could, uh, or as fast as we could, and then yeah, we had to slack. We actually ended up tie it. chafing them off. We did, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. And then cra- oh, yeah. even that's crazier. Like, that's like pulling a hook after three hours. <laughs> oh God, even even crazier, we're we're like ninety percent sure that fish was caught on Southwest Corner, uh, like three weeks later. Oh, did someone have a had, fish that had, had a R? Because it broke in the braid. A two miles it broke yeah, above the braid. leader. Yeah, it broke at the uh, Alberto knot. So the knot, our knot was there. I think there was a little bit of braid there. So it had our knot, our length, like our fluorocarbon, the same pogey snagger we mm-hmm. were using. Granted, there was a lot of guys that got broken off. Yeah, right. That sure. like those few weeks, but like, you know, to have all those things lined up, it's pretty wild. Yeah, That's pretty cool. wild, man. Yeah. What a, what a story. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, before these cameras overheat. Thank you for doing this. Thank you very much. Us. Oh, my pleasure, man. Um, always, always fun to, to hook up and do this. Yeah. It's awesome to talk fishing in the wintertime with someone as equally ob- obsessed with it as you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're pumped for the seminar. We have some cool new stats and um, things to share during our presentation as well. So awesome. I think I think people will... It's not the same old Stellwagen presentation that we do. We have some cool new stuff in there. We've been Great. filming a lot of bites, so we're going to try to integrate as much the, video the as possible. I love the that you guys, yeah, that you filmed with the, with the bites. That's great. Yeah. And that, I know the time and, and labor that goes into capturing those bites, those 10-second yes. moments of, of yeah. joy. Hours. Hours. Yeah. 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 I love the one you guys posted the other day that was like, like, so tell me about the craziest thing. <laughs> Dude, it was like <laughs> mid-debate. It was like mid-cerebral, like, cerebral, like you know, debate. You know you're bored? Yeah. We lost a fish earlier in the morning, so everybody was heartbroken. So I was trying to lift their spirits. We lost like a 900-pounder at the boat oh. after two and a half hours. And uh, that was later in the day. That was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I was like trying to. I love the umbrella. It's like the beach yeah. umbrella. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So if people want to... Uh, to book a ticket or get tickets for the seminar, kind of bring us through all that. Yeah, it's really easy. Just go to, uh, the easiest thing is to go to the Castafari website, just castafari.com. That's C-A-S-T-A-F-A-R-I.com. And then just click on the, uh, there's a, a row of buttons on the top of the homepage. Just click seminar and, uh, and then just go right there. You can check out the seminar, see who's speaking when, but uh, tickets can be purchased online. Um, and we'll be selling tickets right up until the day before the event, but we will not be selling tickets at the event okay? just because it's too crazy and too, too, uh, confusing. So just make sure if you guys do want to go, um, just to try to register ahead of time and, uh, yep. People get their tickets in the mail. Um, and, um, you know, if people are, people want to, you know, check out the itinerary, um, you can go to the seminar, uh, Facebook page as well. If you go on Facebook, if you have Facebook, um, just do Castafari Seminar. 
pop up. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Yeah. Thanks for thanks, thanks for, for being our first repeat guest. We really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Glad a lot of good feedback it. from the first one. We'll have to eventually get Galvin Turbo a few more. Months. Yeah. Let's yeah. get the band Sit back down together. and have a couple beers <laughs> and do one of these. So yeah, that would be fun. Thanks again. Yeah. Um, we're just gonna end it real quick on our dad's three words of fishing wisdom. Remember, you can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last one, you just have to keep listening. Stay tight, everybody. Thanks again, Damon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guest, products that we use, or other podcast partners, please check out the description for this episode on our website, seabrosfishing.com. For information on our tail and fish artwork commissions, or to order our hats and other products, please check out our website or shoot us a message on Instagram. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Give it a like and subscribe. And finally, if you want to book a fishing charter with us on one of the Mass Bay Guides boats, please visit massbayguides.com and call the office to book a trip. We appreciate you all.